Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AGF Plastering, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and I'm delighted to say I am sitting within a two-metre distance of myself, Stan Chum, the bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only... It's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. What a tremendous occasion this actually is. The first time or second time this season that we're able to do this together. And it's going to be a massive show this week. So hello everyone, welcome back. This is episode number 247. Thanks to everyone who tuned into last week's show. Um, as I say, this one's going to be a bit of a huge one because we're going to go game by game. Um, well, reliving through some moments that we probably don't really want to relive. So we'll uh, be as delicate as we can with those. Uh, and look back, really, with the benefit of hindsight. But we're not alone this week. We've got some very, very special guests joining us this week in the form of Dave Victor uh, from the Orient Commentary, as you will all know. Matt Porter, uh, who is on the board. Uh, our sponsors are also going to be joining us later in Adam Cadby and Adam Francis. They're going to be giving us their views on the season uh, as well. So let's not muck about uh, at all. We'll crack on. And as always, a word about our sponsor. Who's Adam Cadby? James Cadby. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, outrageous Sorry, behavior. Sorry, James. Sorry, mate. My fault. Outrageous behaviour. So Sorry. I will talk about AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And you must know this by now. The best part is they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. For more information... And the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit their website at www.hfplastering.co.uk or you can email hfplastering at hfplastering at outlook.com. And they are also on social media at hfplastering on Facebook and on Instagram or on Twitter at Big James LOFC. Only joking, <laughs> Big Ads LOFC and Adam Francis, head honcho for AGF Plastering, coming up later in the podcast. Been on a few times over the years and always gets a great response. So very much looking forward to hearing Adam's response. And like we said, Design Cadby, James from them, coming up later in the podcast. But before we get our first guest on, let's just tell you a bit about AOB. Yeah, just one piece this week. And very, very well done to Lee Deering, who completed his 10K for the JE3 Foundation. Lee finished in a time of 56 minutes and, th- and 37 seconds, and it looks like Howard Gould has won the signed Leighton Orient shirt. So well done, Howard. He guessed, obviously, closest to Lee's finishing time. You can still donate to Lee. Lee's cause uh, is on the Just Giving page, and uh, all the money that he's raising is going to the JE3 Foundation. So that's at Gorillas1985. If you are not on Twitter and need to be contact, uh, in contact with Lee, let us know um, and we'll put you in touch. We are at Orin Outlook uh, on Twitter. We are Orin Outlook Podcast if you search that on Facebook or you can email us orientoutlook at outlook.com. So Paul mentioned lots of guests in his introduction to this episode. We are delighted to say the first one is coming straight up as we are delighted to have on the phone right now co-commentator of <coughs> Orient Live. It's the one and only, the most wonderful, it's Mr. Dave Victor. Well, hi, lads. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. No problem, Dave. Thanks, for, thanks very much indeed for joining us. And you're in a very, 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 very small group of people who have actually been to every game this season where obviously fans haven't. So um, I guess what better question to ask, really, and just your thoughts on, the, on, on this season, really. So you know, what, what's it been like for, from your perspective? 
Well, I feel very privileged. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to uh, have watched all the games at home. And uh, without the faithful there, it all felt uh, very flat. As we know, it's a season like no other, um, not least because it was so compressed. Uh, it meant it was a relentless schedule of a Saturday, Tuesday. It meant that if a player picked up a knock, they were likely to miss maybe probably four or five matches. And there was no time for training and coaching uh, on formations and such like. Uh, can I talk about the whole season, first of all? I think it summed up for me on the 30th of January, late night, the 10th from the table. We travelled to Bolton. They were 19th. They were nine points off the playoffs. They were 10 points off relegation. I can remember talking to my colleague uh, from BBC Radio Manchester, and he said that Bolton were bad enough to go down and good enough to go up. And I think that sums up the division, really, because with the exception of probably the likes of Grimsby and Southend and probably Colchester and Scunthorpe uh, and, prob and Barrow, we'd, we'd add to that, they were the sides that were struggling at the bottom end. I think the standout side were the champions, Cheltenham, I think uh, Cambridge United, fortunate in terms of injuries. But uh, after that, it was much of a match list, wasn't it? Absolutely was, absolutely was. Did you have, was there a highlight of the season for you? Definitely. Uh, a couple. Without doubt, the Plymouth Argyle game for me, that was one of the best I've ever seen at Brisbane Road. It was good as that, and I've, I've seen a lot. Um, not least because of the drama at the end, that the late winner from uh, Dan Johnson. Of course, we knew that would set up the uh, tie against Tottenham Hotspur. Um, the other one, of course, was uh, Newport County, not least because the faithful were there. The second half, and again, it was the comeback that was so special. And it was special because of the atmosphere. Great matches. Brilliant. Yeah, great choices, Dave. Um, did you think there was a point in time, or, or what was the point in time? I mean, we flirted with the playoffs a little bit. We, Ross took us into sort of sixth or seventh place. Was there a point in time where actually you thought that we would be playoff contenders we'd actually make it in there and stay in there or did there that... were two times in the season that I felt very optimistic I thought um, the board were correct in um, taking the team off furlough and giving them uh, so much preparation pre-season uh, I think you look at the difference between the O's and say Grimsby Town they were complete opposite they were last to come out of uh, um, furlough they only had the one uh, pre-season friendly. That was against Cleethorpes, and I think it showed. It was drilled into me by Russell Slade just how important pre-season was. And I can remember, you know, his last season after, you know, the uh, previous owners, uh, after the uh, Dartford game, he called me to one side. He said, you know, Dave, I'm so worried because we brought these players in. I haven't had a, a pre-season, Dave, you know, that's going to really struggle in the latter end. And I think... Um, now, you look at the first four games, late night, won them all with late winners. And I think uh, that showed the advantage. There was a good spirit in the camp. And, uh, you know, they were, they were very fit. That's why they were winning games late on. And I think it all changed before the, uh, after what happened with the Spurs game. I thought what happened with Tottenham was wrong on a number of levels, not only because the O's mixed, uh, missed out on a big payday, but also I think we stood a real chance of beating the Spurs who had that crazy schedule at the time. And then, of course, the players went into self-isolation. Now, I can't imagine, I don't suppose it's ever happened before, that you get professional athletes that are um, confined to home. And the whole squad was, the whole squad was, for 
14 days. And then immediately, immediately after that, they had to play Cheltenham. And then they played uh, Warsaw on the Tuesday. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that we lost players like uh, Leanne Gold and also Tirio, um with hamstring injuries. I don't think it's a coincidence that there were one or two players that were so inconsistent towards, um, you know, after that uh, period of... Um, we know there may have been some players that were ill, and uh, certainly, you know, it, any sort of advantage from the pre-season training would have been wiped away, I would imagine. And it was so hard on the O's, I think it probably hit late uh, harder than most, if not uh, the, the most in League Two. Great stuff, great stuff. What, what Do you think there are many positives we can take out of this season? Um, well, I think the uh, board of directors showed ambition uh, right from the, the start of the season and again at um, the um, transfer window when they brought in a couple of players. I think the O's didn't have any luck. Uh, Joby McEnough certainly didn't have any luck. Um, you know, his first game in charge and... Uh, Adam Thompson picking up uh, an injury just sort of minutes into his first game in charge at Grimsby. And he looked so impressive, not least at um, Crawley. That was uh, quite, quite a night, that game. Um, and, you know, I was really excited by that uh, um, transfer and signing in particular. Dan Kent, I think, is a, a really good acquisition. And I think, um, you know, he's going to be a star. I'm looking forward to seeing him not only next season, but in the future. I think we have got someone... Very special there. I'm looking forward to Thompson coming back into the team. The goalkeeper, of course, was exceptional. And uh, before Christmas, we did have a superstar DJ. Uh, you don't get many uh, players that score um, 20, but uh, obviously the DJ did. But it's interesting, when you look at the division, it's not about goals scored, it's about goals conceded. The highest scorer team in the division last season, they, I think they scored 78 goals. They finished 18th. With a minus nine goal difference, that's Keith Curl's old mm. athletic. It really was a crazy division. It was about consistency. It was about ensuring that you were tight and well organised at the back. And when you were saying, did I think, uh, you know, we had the chance? I mentioned about how optimistic I was at the start of the season under Walsh Hamilton. After the coming home from Mansfield Town, um, and we've seen some good performances on the road under Joby McEnough. Uh, at, uh, against uh, Newport County at Cardiff, of course, and that Tuesday night, that uh, famous late uh, strike from Connor Wilkinson. At that point, at that point, I thought we stood a chance. But then we conceded such bad goals at Harrogate. We were so flat against uh, Southend United. It was a lack of energy, the lack of creativity, and the lack of ambition, which I think in the end really frustrated the faithful. We've got a lot of players out of contract now, Dave. You know, quite, only a handful that are that are contracted to next season. Would you expect or want to see many of those that have been offered a new contract to, to stay at, at Orient next season, or do you think a clean sweep and 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 sort of rebuild again? It does feel like a watershed, doesn't it? I mean, mm. we've come a long way in a short period of time. We're back in the Football League you can't take that for granted if you look at the top of the National League at the moment it's headed by Sutton United there's so many former league clubs behind them and they would be so envious about where we are and there was a group of players who not only achieved I think the most important promotion in the club's history but also embedded the O's back in the Football League under the most difficult of circumstances the tragedy of uh, Justin Edinburgh and then of course the pandemic mm. so you know being 11th in League Two, uh, only the second season back 
in the football league, there's worse places to go. There is a platform to build on. There is so much good work that's happened off off the field. It's a tremendous platform uh, to build on. I think uh, this is a good time to say thank you to so many um, players and, of course, the likes of Ross Ambleton and others that have done so much for our club. You know, they, they have got a special place in our hearts and in this club's history, but it's about the future now. Before we let you go, Dave, you've mentioned the future and as it stands, as we record, Orient currently searching for their next manager. What are your views on that and, who, and what do you think the manager needs to do when they come in to, to get us promoted for the forthcoming season? Well, the club's been um, quite clear on the statement, hasn't it, in terms of what they are looking for uh, from the, uh, the, the next manager. As I say, they'll come into a club where, uh, off the field, it, it's looking good. I mean, the, the, when you go back to the stadium, and it would be wonderful to see everybody uh, back in uh, at the Bray um, Group Stadium, Brisbane Road, very shortly. You know, it's looking good. The East Stand, there's a lot of investment there. Um, there is the opportunity to redevelop the squad. I only hope that whoever it is, they get a bit of time and, um, you know, the patience of the faithful. I think they will, as long as the team is sort of playing with a bit of commitment and a bit of passion. I think that's uh, what the faithful want more than anything else. And then I think, uh, you know, it might not be next season. It might take a little bit longer. Um, but no, I think Neo is uh, in a good place. And, and finally, um, you know, if I may, if I'm be a little bit indulgent, um, you know, since the last time we were all in E10 together, we have lost so many people that, um, mm. you know, that were familiar to us. You know, I call them Saturday friends, you know, people that you'd um, meet up with. Sometimes you'd only you'd probably share a smile. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you share a few words. And there's other people that you, you would know very well, but they're all going to be missed. It's not going to be the same uh, next season. And, you know, although we focus on on what's happened in terms of the planes uh, uh, and such like there's something much bigger than that has happened uh, since we were last together in March last year. Uh, and, you know, they've gone, but they'll never be forgotten. as yeah, uh, Very important people who share our passion, who share our love for something very special, late night. Yeah, that's very poignant, Dave, a very poignant way to, to, to end our chat. Thank you very much indeed, and you're right, they'll never be forgotten. They'll always be with us, looking down on us, and uh, I believe the club are looking to to uh, do something to uh, remember them uh, next season. So, Dave, thank you for everything you've done for reporting on the O's for us over the course of the season. It's not been easy to, to talk about some of the stuff that, that you've seen in front of you, but you've done so, uh, so ever so well. So thank you very much and uh, look forward to seeing you back at, at the Orient uh, next season, buddy. Take care. Thanks very much. And you. Well done on the podcast. Keep it up. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. So that was BBC London's very own <coughs> Dave Victor with his views on the season. We're delighted now to be joined for the first time on the Outlook podcast by our Prediction League sponsor. It's Mr. James Cadby. Yeah, not Adam, as I said earlier. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I'm just pulled over. I've just dropped my girlfriend. I'm sitting in my car in West London. It's absolutely... Tipping it down, but I'm alright. All, all the better to you, boys. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, we're all good, thank you, mate. We're all good. So, thank you for for sponsoring us this season. We'll have to obviously have uh, conversations uh, off this uh, podcast about what what next season looks like for us too. But we just really thought, you know, what a better way to um, 
to have you come on and uh, obviously yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about your business. We know we we read yeah. out some blurb each week, but I'm sure you can do it probably much more eloquently than <laughs> than than we have. So why don't you just sort of quickly tell everyone what what Design Cab be do um, and yeah. then yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, firstly, thank you for you doing it so well each week as well. Obviously, I listen and uh, do a very good job of it. Um, and, yeah, pretty much what, what you sort of touch on each week is um, it's obviously a design service I do. Um, everything pretty much print and digital based. So I tend to do quite a lot of logo design. So if you're setting up a company, which has been quite frequent in lockdown, to be fair, quite a lot of companies have been set up. I'll design a lot of logos. If you have an existing company that has branding already, I can help with that. You know, I can jump on if you need new stuff doing. So whether that's, I said about print stuff, so stationery, business cards, uh, flyers, things like that vehicle graphics um, and then on the digital side thinking like social media animations um, I mean you've probably seen I've done quite a lot for Adam actually um, over the course of the season so I've certainly uh, been busy kept busy by him so so yeah quite a lot of stuff um, I can do really as you know from like a branding perspective um, as I said if you've got a new company up and coming need some branding done give us a shout um, and likewise if you've got a, an existing company you want it like freshened up or you want to work with your current branding that's absolutely fine so so yes plenty to keep you busy and the rumour on the or and out of podcast towers is James you offer a very nice 15% off to Warrior fans yes. as well yeah the second original 15% discount <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's, uh, yeah we'll keep, we'll keep that going for a few months until to new season or whatever but um, but yeah so keep that going so yeah get in touch 15% off um, Adam's taking advantage of that at the beginning so Absolutely. Brilliant. So let's talk about the footy then. Obviously, a devoted Leighton yes. Orient fan. What were your thoughts on yep. the season that, that we've just experienced? Oh, I mean, well, it was a, it was a funny season, obviously. Um, there was a lot going on. Um, but, I mean, I, I reckon I watched... I not, didn't get to watch as much as I normally would. Um, I reckon I watched about 50% of the games. And it seemed every, every midweek game, particularly, we'd be one nil up at half-time and we just end up losing 2-1. And it seems like... I mean, that squad that we've had, obviously won the National League, was a special squad, really good. Um, but I think maybe next year, a slightly more professional outfit, um, well, hopefully those 1-0 um, leads that we have at half-time will turn into 2 nils and 3 nils by the end of the game. We hope yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there was a lot of... Well, a lot of low lights, but a, a few yeah. highlights. Were, were any positives that you can pick out of, of the season? Any particular highlights for you? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the I mean, the best match I saw was um, uh, when we won three two to to set up the cup tie with Tottenham, which sadly obviously didn't happen. But um, I remember remember that night. Who was it? We were playing. Plymouth. Yeah, Plymouth. We were playing. I, I think we, and then I I remember tweeting in to Orient Live and saying this stinks of a DJ winner. And then lo and behold, as soon as he got that, as soon as he was chasing that defender down on the on the wing, and he got the ball, you knew he was going to score. So I would say, yeah, that I mean that was a highlight. Obviously, it's just devastating that the match didn't even get to go ahead. But as, as far as the Tuesday night goes, um, just watching it obviously in my flat, it was uh, it was pretty good. And there's probably quite a few to choose from, but what what were the low lights for you then to flip it? Um, the said cups are not going ahead, which is probably one. Too And I just I just think there were so many times when, like I say, when we were one 0 up at half time, um, and it's just every time that happened, it just it just seemed to keep happening. And against not good teams as well, teams that I think that 
or in a better than, you know, like on paper and the way they were performing. Um, I just think they, them them games just should have been seen out. I think Carlisle was one Morecambe on a on a Tuesday night. It's just uh, yeah, it was pretty depressing at times. Especially I'm I'm very much sort of like glass half full, and I'm just I'm convinced that we'd go on to win those games quite comfortably. And then you go on Twitter, and obviously everyone's a little bit uh, more cynical than me. But often the doubters are proved right, unfortunately, yeah. and we go on to lose those games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that will teach you for being glass half. Half four, we've already mate. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a lesson learned for you. Yeah. Um, actually, I just, sorry, I've just thought another highlight. I had. Go on. Um, it was my I've got it was my son's birthday in July, so it's kind of right at the start of the season. Um, and just touching on sort of the squad that we had that won the national league. I remember um, I was basically putting a video together um, of all my mates um, that my son knows for his birthday, and basically edited the video together, all our like birthday messages. So obviously, we were in lockdown, couldn't do anything. And I just thought, Josh Colson was his favourite player, and I thought I'd message Josh, um, see if he'd do a little clip. And he honestly replied straight away um, and done the message. And just, I think that squad, like I say, is special because of how how good they were, but they were very, very approachable. um, And I just want to, you know, Josh Colson was just so great, forever grateful that he did that. So that was a highlight as well when that happened. Yeah, it's a shame that that, that we're losing great characters of. The Josh Coulsons, for example. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. But look, you know, we, we have got a, a pretty big number of players who aren't going to be staying with us this season. Are there any that yeah. you feel that should have been offered a contract and ought to have stayed? Or? Well, um, I'd say JMD, but I mean, he's one, he's one of them. He's so... He's so frustrating because, you know, he just does. I mean, I was at the Cambridge game when he, he scored that free kick to put us, I think, two or three nil up. And uh, from that, I just loved him from them. But like, he, he shows like flashes of brilliance. But then a lot of time, you wouldn't even notice he's playing. Mm. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how he's gone at Crawley this season. I don't know. I haven't been keeping tabs on him. I think they want him from the fans' perspective. Right. Certainly, what comes out, I think they would they would quite like yeah. to sign him. Seems to be the general gist coming out of Crawley. Yeah. I, I think other than that, it, it's it's a tough one because because of what that's a lot of that team achieved. You don't, you, you're sad to see him go, but I think there's a. I mean, even with like Ross, for example, there's a. You, you need to kind of change things a little bit if we're going to go up rather than down. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So before we let you go, then, as we record yeah. this evening, Orient and Managerless, lots of names being banded about via various betting companies, shall we say? Who would you like to see come in and get the gig? Um, can you give me a couple of the? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Kenny Jacket has been the odds-on favourite for a while. Colin Calderwood crept up. Paul I Tisdale has Adam, I suddenly. I think Adam was getting about Kenny Jacket at one point. Mm. Um, yeah. Jacket, Calderwood, and Tisdale are definitely the three now who seem to be getting singled out the most. There's other names floating around. Ardley yeah. was floating around Ardley. when they first got, and Rishi Wellens, if you believe what you read, is probably going yeah. to go to Doncaster. So. You know, I mean, I mean to, to be honest, um, very much sitting on the fence due to a lack of, I haven't, you know, the new manager, I haven't really looked too much into it and, and seen what's been about, but I, I just think whoever comes in, I think it, you know, it needs to be someone experienced and someone with, um, you know, experience of getting teams up the leagues. And I know you, you could say, you know, you want someone young and fresh and it's worked for certain teams this season, like Cambridge it worked for, but I think as a club, this, this club needs a bit of experience because they've done so well in the National League with, um, you know, a lot, quite a, a fairly, you know, 
not am- I don't want to use the term amateur. That's not very nice, is it? But um, but yeah, I just think someone with a bit more experience because we've you know we've had the last two managers we've had have been young. I, I mean, including Joby, obviously. Um, and I just think it needs it needs a, a wiser head to steer the ship. Nicely said. So we mentioned design cabby, but we didn't mention how someone could get hold of you. So if someone's heard your voice and gone, actually, this James Cabby sounds like the real deal. I want a piece of that, and I want my fifteen percent off. How would someone? How does someone get in contact with you? Um, I mean, there's there's multiple ways. Obviously, if you go into social media, I mean, I'm normally sort of up there on yours with the prediction league being a weekly thing. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at design cabby. Um, but if that's too much of a mouthful, just go onto the Orient Outlook podcast Twitter and just find me on there. Um, you can email me, which is hello at jamescadby.com. Um, and they, they, those three methods would probably be the best, best way. Brilliant. Wicked. Fantastic. James. Uh, and then also, sorry, sorry, just one more thing. Cool. Then my website is uh, www.jamescadby.com. So yeah. if you want to see some of the existing work. But social media is probably the best platform, I'd say. Brilliant. And if you follow a big ads, LOFC on Twitter, Adam is posting lots of stuff, lots of graphic cards, lots yeah. of videos. Everything you see is done by your fine self so some great examples of yeah, your got, work yeah he's got like a new social media template set up now so you'll be seeing that on him on his platforms quite a lot now love it James thank you very much for giving uh, up some of your time you. on this Sunday thank you for the sponsorship of the Prediction League and um, we look forward to hearing from you very soon and we'll have a chat soon about the prize for the winner absolutely, absolutely. yes yeah. absolutely we will top man get me a hand in my pocket one more time right. <laughs> <laughs> not last time though um, mate thank you thank you very much right. indeed thanks for joining us and we'll uh, look forward to speaking to you soon stay safe yeah nice one lads see you later bye 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 so that, yeah. yeah no go for it James Cadby there prediction league sponsor <coughs> Orient fan giving us his views on the season so 25 minutes in Bearded Legends, probably time to talk about the season that was. Yeah, let's let's crack on then. So we're going to start with September, because obviously that's when the season started. Started much later than usual due to COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So we didn't actually really kick the season off until the 5th of September, if you remember rightly. And we were in EFL first round cup action uh, away at Forest Green Rovers. And Forest Green Rovers, unfortunately, took the lead in the 23rd minute. Sam Ling originally missed his tackle which created a bit of space in behind him and Forest Green Rovers exploited it. Dan Happy slid to block Cadden's cross, if you remember. Unfortunately, he deflected it into the back of his own net, putting the host 1-0 up. But four minutes into the second half, Danny Johnson levelled the scores with a beautiful lob. Uh, Sam Ling's first-time pass uh, fell perfectly to him and he held off his man and finished absolutely uh, superbly in that one and a minute later we completed a sensational second half turnaround as Joby McEnough found Connor Wilkinson on the right he ran into the box if you remember he glided past two Forest Green Rovers players and placed his shot under the Forest Green Rovers keeper to make it 2-1 to the Mighty O's yeah great start to the season great yeah. to see Danny Johnson getting off the mark early as well as Connor and you know all over the League Cup game Forest Green Rovers, no mugs at League Two level. Yeah. So, and it's good that we've come from behind to win, which I wish we'd have seen more of, as James kind of alluded to. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good, really good feeling on that great win. That was followed up by a Football League trophy match at home to Brighton under 23s. We won that game 3 2 thanks to goals from Sam Ling and Danny Johnson. Mm-hmm. And as the game looked to be heading towards a two all draw, we nicked it due to the 95th minute from Connor Wilkinson again. So two wins out of two at the beginning of the season. Yeah, started off really, really brightly in that regard. It was a league opening fixture then. We were away to Oldham. Uh, tight game looked to be heading towards a goalless draw. 
and long free kick was knocked down by Jamie Turley into the path of DJ, who made no mistake from close range, and we managed to nick all three points late in the game. Can't beat a season opener and a late winner. And at that point, it was the third game on the spin. We had won another late goal and an example that we'd seen often in pre-season of the old set piece of get the ball in the box, get it on Turley's head and get him to get the knockdown. And I think Danny Sender had said a lot about that in pre-season. So really encouraging signs. So next up on the Tuesday, EFL Cup second round at home to Plymouth at Dave Victor. And I believe James have already mentioned one of the games of the One season of with yeah. the Spurs awaiting the winners of this tie. What a game. We were 2-0 down at half-time. The second half was just frankly quite superb. Goals from Louis Dennis got us back in at 2-1. And a Joby McEnough chip, an amazing goal from the ever-young Joby, made it 2 all. And then Danny Johnson capitalised on a late defensive mistake to win the game in the 92nd minute. Mm. And we'd beaten Plymouth and were looking forward to facing the prospect of Premier League Tottenham at this full-time, four games out of four, Johnson's rocking, Connor's rocking. You're thinking this is a team that never gives up four late goals. You're thinking this, this could be a brilliant season and maybe that kind of worked against Ross and the team in some capacity because Full maybe our expectations mm. were far too high, far too early. Yeah, but they were set for us by the team who were just going out there, yeah. coming from behind, beating teams... We've got two strikers scoring goals. Yeah. You, you're thinking, hold on a minute. I think, you know, I've put a bet. I had a bet at the start of the season, which I don't think I've told you, that Orient would be top seven and Danny Johnson would be top scorer with top four. Uh, so you, each way yeah. kind of thing. Um, I'm still waiting on Danny Johnson for a payout on that. But, you know, <laughs> at, at this rate, I'm thinking, God, that bet's looking really sound. Mm. Um, Never bet on Orient, though, Paul, come on. But, well... <laughs> <laughs> Mansfield at home was our final game of the month uh, of September and after going 2-0 down in the second half the O's somehow managed to rescue a point thanks again to that man Danny Johnson's strike and a 92nd minute equaliser from Ruel Satoriu yeah I remember that we didn't play particularly well that day but we got a 92nd minute equaliser and it felt like a win even though it was a draw and yeah. the unbeaten record was still intact and another late goal from a game that we really didn't deserve so rocking at this point however that Mansfield game was played on the 19th of September and it would be the last football to be played in that calendar month as a Covid outbreak in the squad meant that the League Cup tie at home to Spurs was called off do you remember this just yeah. hours before so kick three o'clock no mention yeah. I think it's four o'clock it was a six o'clock kick off yeah. and it got announced it had been postponed at four and then a few days after it was announced that Spurs had been given a buy um, and I think Dave Victor mentioned that I think that is a, a massive pivotal point in the season had we not had that Covid outbreak you know the players wouldn't have lost that sharpness that they had I think Nigel and Ross had spoke about it in pre-season about returning a week early to get fitness all that yeah. work and prep was lost yeah, 100%. while the football world goes on and you can argue unfairly or fairly that Spurs get given a bite but I think the, the bigger impact that we saw was that other teams grew stronger who didn't stop playing and it obviously meant we had a much weaker um, fitness level that we saw you know, in the first couple yeah. of games back. Absolutely agree. And then obviously where there were players suffering quite badly from, from COVID, you know, players were in bed, some of them. Um, I won't name names, I don't think that's right. But um, Well, we spoke to Josh Colson after the Mansfield game and <clears throat> it, at the time it didn't seem obvious that he was maybe not as well as what he should have been. But when you hear about COVID outbreak and listen back to that interview, you can tell like at points his breathing is like a bit 
very heavy and all over the place and he's like sitting down for the interview but at the time you just don't realise it and just crack on yeah absolutely um, but it was obviously one that was to have uh, you know quite an impact on us I feel a bit hard done by uh, because we were honest Spurs offered to pay for our Covid test which was several thousand pounds we said yes okay because obviously we don't want to put their players in harm's way but there were other clubs who didn't uh, have that test and they refused to take it and their games went ahead and they didn't lose that momentum so it's kind of honesty has gone against us yeah. in that regard um, so that that was a shame the EFL ensuring integrity of the competition is more important than than anything else and not really seeming to care too much about little old Leighton Orient but you know the tie could have been delayed they didn't have to play every game before Christmas I guess they were rushing to in case the season ended early again mm. so uh, they weren't in this position but we ended the month uh, I won't keep ranting on it's been enough from me <laughs> that you've all listened to this season but we, were, we we finished the month of September in 12th having played just two league games despite talking about several games in this month two league games we won one drawn one we've not lost any um, goal difference a positive one and four points yeah obviously 12 because most teams by this point have now played three or four games at a minimum so let's talk about October then so the month started with a 2-0 home loss to inform Cheltenham as a pretty unfit looking O's team, was second best in all departments as we lost our first game of the season. We looked rusty and probably the one team you didn't want to play in your first game back was a high-flying Cheltenham team who yeah. done a number on us and you know we fell to our first defeat of the season. That's right. Possibly, and I'm pretty confident, the effects of having the COVID outbreak and not training properly for two oh, weeks. Absolutely. Everything was being done remotely, wasn't it, if you remember? Some weren't even able to train at all. So, really tough point in the season. For yeah, us, and again, it's one of those where it was only confirmed, if I remember rightly, quite late in the day that it was going to be played. I think it was a Saturday morning or the Friday night, and it was still, is it playing or is it not playing? Are they fit enough to play? Yeah, can and we? Got, well, no, I think it was the fact that the EFL said if you don't, put a team out you're forfeit yeah absolutely yeah. I think Points it's more of a threat than anything else yeah um, so lost that yeah. one yeah and then up followed AFC Wimbledon in the EFL Trophy on a Tuesday night the O's won this one 2-0 thanks to goals from Leanne Goal and Connor Wilkinson so that guaranteed a place in the knockout stages with the game still in the group stages remaining of that trophy that's right it was a long trip to Barrow the following Saturday Dan Happy was sent off fairly early in this match if you remember uh, and after going 1-0 down in the 16th minute we got a point thanks to a 50th minute strike from Fox in the Box Danny Johnson I mean we were absolutely like loving this by this point you know we've got a striker that's going to potentially do 20 odd goals before Christmas at this rate he looked like he would walk the division the whole superstar DJ thing started with the old you know on the turntable celebration it was a real good time for Danny Johnson so straight after that Barrow game on the Saturday it was another away trip on the Tuesday night to Walsall and again that fox in the box Danny Johnson put the O's one up he capitalised on a poor back pass we went Behind by half-time, 2-1 down as goals from Rory Holden and Elijah Adebayo turned the game around. That's how the game finished. A frustrating night for the O's as we lost 2-1 away to Walsall. Yeah, and a frustrating week was to get even worse as Grimsby were up next at home. We had a 5.30 kick-off with them and some shocking defending. Saurus lose this game 3-2. Con an early Connor Wilkinson goal was cancelled out by two quick Grimsby goals from Luke Waterfall and George Williams. And Jordan Maguire-Drew came on as a sub and had an impact with a 74th-minute equaliser. But Craig Clay, I remember this quite clearly, <laughs> gave away a stupid penalty late in the game. Uh, and Montel Gibson put that one away. Uh, and they took all three points. And I remember we produced episode 220 
at this point and it was quite a moany show which isn't something that we normally do so I think at that point we were all frustrated by what we were seeing Grimsby had also had their own Covid outbreak yeah, and they'd yeah. come back and they'd played even less football than us um, and were below us in the table so that was a really disappointing match and obviously Craig Clay's challenge where he Stupid. where he tracked the runner he tracked his man pretty much from the halfway line to the area if I remember rightly and then decided once he got into the area that a yeah. sliding tackle would be the best way the to area, get the ball yeah. why not take one from the team <laughs> right in the halfway line unbelievable so a bad defeat there it got better though the following Tuesday as we travelled to struggling Tranmere who were doing a terrible run at that time a match we dominated and didn't look like we were going to get the breakthrough but we did again Fox in the box Danny Johnson got the only goal of the game in the 71st minute and back to winning ways for Ross Embleton's Orient yeah another away trip followed as well uh, another three points with us as this time we beat Stevenage 2-0 with a second half goals from Jordan Maguire Drew and Connor Wilkinson, worth noting that Scotty C, Scotty C, your favourite player, and Romain Vincelo, uh, played and Romain Vincelo was on the bench. Yeah, good away win there. So it looked like the Orient Express was starting to get back up and running yeah. after two games winning streak. Exeter City were up next on the following Tuesday. Lots of Tuesday-Saturday games this season. It's, yeah, they said, didn't yeah. Because it's compacted in because we lost August. Yeah, we knew this would be a difficult game. We yeah. went ahead early thanks to a Connor Wilkinson goal. Good finish if I, if I remember that one rightly. Exeter levelled early in the second half through ex-Oloney Jake Taylor. Nope that he is now available on a free transfer. Jake he Taylor, is, he's yeah. left that club. Yeah. Rather fortunately, Exeter were a bit wasteful. I remember, I think it was a defensive mistake from Brophy let in one of their wingers. I think it was Williams who really should have buried us and made it 2-1 to them. He missed it. We got a point. Decent point. Decent match. One all. The yeah. match finished. Absolutely. The month finished with the visit of Bolton Wanderers. Voted fans game of the season in our end of season polls, which we'll mention a little bit later on, uh, towards the end of the show, actually. But an out-of-form Bolton coupled with a very good Orient display saw Dan Johnson miss an early penalty but made up for it in the eighth minute. Two great free kicks from Joby McEnough and Connor Wilkinson put the O's th- uh, up 3-0 at half-time and a great Craig Clay strike, if you remember, in the second half. Saw the scoring complete and as we smashed our visitors 4-0. When Craig Clay is knocking him into top bins, you know, you know you've know you had a bad day. You know, or a great day if you're an Orient fan. So we ended the month 11th in League 2. We'd played 10, won 4, drawn 3, lost 3. Goal difference of plus 4 and 15 points. So let's go on into the winter months. And November, tough trip to Forest Green Rovers followed on a Tuesday night. And despite a Josh Wright equaliser to cancel Odin Bailey's opener, the game was won thanks to an 82nd minute winner. I think it was from a corner, if I remember rightly. Matt Stevens at the far post got it past Vigaru as we failed to defend, basically, therefore losing the game 2 1. That was quite a hard one to take, if I remember rightly. I hate losing to Forest Green. I just I hate their manager and I hate Ebu Adam, so I just and they play dirty as well. Don't like them at all. But now their manager's gone. Um, could 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 be changed. Uh, then it was a break from the league as we were in FA Cup first round action. We played league leaders Newport County in which we saw a full debut and an equalising goal from the very, very impressive Hector Kipriano. The visitors were a bit too strong for us on that day. Long range effort from Jamie DeVitt ended up winning the game 2-1 and we were knocked out of the FA Cup unfortunately at the first round. Yeah, so no FA Cup run for the O's. And then on Ross Embleton's birthday we travelled over the River Thames to the Valley, home of Charlton Athletic, as we played our final group game in the Papa John's Trophy. We'd already qualified for the knockout rounds and we got beat 3-1 as Ross tried out a new formation 
and set up with wing backs playing a 3 5 2 system with Louis Dennis getting the O's goal on a night's best forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. One of our shortest away days was up next as we journeyed up, just up the A12 to Colchester United's soulless stadium. It must have been even worse with no fans. It must be, <laughs> I don't know if you know the difference. Ross it. stuck with the formation from Tuesday night's EFL trophy game, if you remember. And we were undone by really poor concentration, lack of tracking runners, and a lack of urgency as a Giovanni Brown double uh, was enough to see us lose that 2 1. Sam Ling pulled a goal back in the 89th minute. Yeah, disappointing there. Always disappointing to lose to Colchester, always more disappointing to lose a win. They didn't play very well, and basically yeah. a very boring game. As you'd expect, following this game, inundated with a lot of negative feedback from Orient fans, frustrated at what they'd seen. And this was our fourth straight defeat. A bit of pressure starting to build a mount on Ross Embleton at this point. The season was very slowly crumbling in front of our eyes. But it was a nice break coming up from the Saturday-Tuesday fixtures as we only had the one game the following week as we welcomed Harrogate Town to Brisbane Road. And again, I think we were just far too strong for Harrogate. We ran out 3-0 winners. Danny Johnson bagged a hat-trick in a game where we were solid perhaps without being spectacular, but easily had too much in the tank for them. And DJ's second goal of the game from a ridiculously tight angle from a Josh Coulson assist, no less, made ours and the club's goal of the season selection. We'll talk about that later. And there was only 1% between the top two for that, but a fantastic game there for DJ. At that point, you're thinking, DJ's going to get himself 30 to 35 goals if he keeps going the way he's going. Yeah, yeah, 100%, absolutely. And we also spoke about Usise having a great game, uh, having not been impressed with him so far this season. So when, and I remember saying, when he does well, we do well, because he was sitting at the... just in, Yeah, that, absolutely, that's, that's exactly what he is. We were then back on Tuesday, Saturday action. Uh, first up, we welcomed Bradford City on a Tuesday night, which wasn't the most exciting. But the pivotal moment came in the second half, as Dan Happy scored the only goal of the game, to win us all three points in what was a 1-0 win. Yeah, great win there. So next up, Port Vale away. The game moved from the following Tuesday night as both sides had already been knocked out of the FA Cup. Turns it out to be our third win on the bounce as we walked away from Vale Park 3-2 winners. His first half goals from Danny Johnson and Connor Wilkinson were both cancelled out. I remember Vale's second goal was an absolute stunner. Mm. I think I think Sotiri lost it. And then their man just literally got it and just smashed it top bins from about 30 yards. But we won the game thanks to a late James Brophy goal in a second half that Port Vale pretty much dominated. So we ended the month of November in a relatively high place. Lofty. Not getting better than this, boys and girls. No, Outlook is everywhere. Sixth <laughs> place in League Two after 15 games. Won seven, drawn three, lost five. Goal difference of plus seven, 24 points. Maybe... Coming out of November, third of the season, gone pretty much. Maybe yeah. this was Ross Embleton's undoing. Peak. Peak. And setting himself, maybe, what he would probably say was an unrealistic expectation to stay there. Yeah. However, if you're a board member and you see yourself in six, you can just say, well, how can it be unrealistic? Because you're there. Like, that's where you are. But you've got to stay there. It's no good just going st- up there and then coming down. Because right? yeah. Newport County yeah. were top for a while, weren't they? Yeah. And now they've made, they dropped like a, a stone, didn't they? They dropped out of the playoffs, but then they ended up getting back yeah. in. So you're only as good as your last game and you're only as good as the season's results. And, you know, it is what it is. So we're coming on to Christmas 
Christmas month now, December 2020, Scunthorpe away, uh, the glamour tie up in uh, Lincolnshire started this month off. And despite having had a clear week on the training ground, our three-game winning streak was brought to an abrupt end as Scunthorpe ran out as 2-0 winners. This is despite Dan Johnson having a penalty save, plus we created several clear-cut chances in the first 20 minutes alone. But that really was the highlight of the whole game. We faded badly in this and conceded two really soft goals. Should have been outside by the time they got their first. But yeah, really bad goals to concede yeah. and really wasteful in attack as the braces kit made its debut of the season. So we had a chance to put this defeat behind us. So we had another round of Tuesday-Saturday fixtures as we faced Bristol Rovers in the Papa John's Trophy on the Tuesday in front of a crowd for the first time this season. Also a chance this game to get some game time for players like Dayton, Turley and JMD. If you remember this one, and you probably do, you probably don't remember it for the football, but for Jamie Turley's violent karate kick <laughs> on an innocent Bristol Rovers bystander <laughs> that left him shoved on the floor. I mean, fair play. He can get his leg fairly high, but you can't do that in football. No, you can't. You're not allowed, Jake. <laughs> Bit unlucky not to get anything from the game. Rovers took the lead. Sam Cross got deflected onto one of their defenders to make it one all. But Zane Westbrook, another XO lone E, pinged in a free kick from 30 yards out, hit crossbar, bounced back off Sam Sargent into the net, and we were out of the Papa John's Trophy, giving managerial candidate, if you believe everything that you read, Paul Tisdale. 100% record at Leighton Orient last season played 1-1-1 I'll have some of that get in that now bring yourself and your cap uh, we then welcome league leaders Newport County to Brisbane Road in a towel of two very contrasting halves County took the lead in the first half through Jamie Proctor but in complete contrast we put in arguably our best performance of the season so far and it was in front of the fans for the first time in the league this season Dan Johnson scored to level the scores Around the hour, Mark and James Brophy sealed the points in the 70th minute by smashing his shot beyond their keeper after some comical defending by Newport County, who arguably should have gained a point from this game after XO Tristan Abraham scored, but was ruled out to having fouled Dan Happy in the build-up, which I think is a huge slice of luck for us. And it's also worth remembering Lawrence Figueroa's long goal kick that started a counter-attack that saw Captain Fantastic Joby Mathkinough bust the lung to get up the pitch and their, their left back kind of barged him over and, and he won a foul off the back of it. I mean, that clip's been played. That's an, ins- that's an inspirational clip for me because I think that that's someone leading by example and we didn't see enough of that throughout the season. That was kind of like the exception to the rule, unfortunately. Yeah, we saw a lot of over a lot of games last season where it would be pretty uninspiring performance, Joby McInerney would come on as a substitute and suddenly, for whatever reason, the whole morale and mood of the team and level of working changed around Joby McInerney's introduction to the pitch. But a great match there, 2-1. And again, at that point, you felt we'd maybe turned another corner. Fans were back in, a great performance. And you're thinking, right, we can really, really kick on from here so the following week saw another schedule of Tuesday Saturday matches Morecambe away on the Tuesday and in Crawley at home on the Saturday Morecambe away we took the lead in the 18th minute again dominating the early stages great goal team goal finished very well by Danny Johnson but we couldn't do the simple things like clearing the ball from our box and Morecambe's captain Lavelle scrambled the ball home to equalise and then they scored the eventual winner in the 72nd minute after a well, a decent ball over the top foul Mendes Gomez in behind Dan Happy who couldn't recover and Mendes Gomez 
think he would be called him like the AMG or something, like JMD. I remember that at the time, thinking it's a pretty good name. I quite like him at our club to do the abbreviation. I want Linnell John Lewis so we can sing the shop song. His name is a shop. Yeah. Probably easy enough to get him. It's probably on a free transfer, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 500 quid a week. Mendes Gomez finished. No problem. Morecambe won the game 2-1. Another wasted opportunity. And this is in a game where we played outstandingly, but just for 22 minutes of the game. So we only really played for just under a quarter of the game. And then we kind of checked out, which was a bit disappointing. We then had Crawley Town at home uh, in our next game. Town took the lead for an own goal with Josh Coulson, followed the cross into the box, but instead of heading out, he headed into the back of the net. But don't worry, because obviously, as you know, we equalised five minutes before half-time as James Brophy crossed in from the left. McEnough took a shot, which Dallison deflected past his own keeper. But Crawley scored the winner in the 82nd minute after a decent move from back to front, saw a first-time cross in from the left, and the league's top scorer at the time, Max Waters, met the ball as he got in between Dan Happy and Josh Coulson and headed home. Frustrating performance there, the second one within a week. So Christmas Day came and went, and it was time for the Boxing Day match, which was the M11 derby away to high-flying Cambridge United. Worth noting, Ross Embleton missed this one as he was... Been in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID, so the staff took the reins for this match. Groundhog Day, again, pretty much. We took the lead through Danny Johnson in the 23rd minute, but managed to concede two poor goals in a very short space of time, as well as Houlihan giving time and space inside our box, and he didn't disappoint to level the scores in the 55th minute. And just two minutes later, Paul Mullin scored the winner. I think he got off the back of Cissé, if I remember rightly, to finish mm. past Vigaru. Well, he says he got in behind Sam Link. I think it was a mixture of the two. And we're just given two easy goals away to the league leaders. Another defeat. And at this point, frustration again. Mm. But two goals where we don't really react to them. We just stand and watch like so many other goals we've conceded. And this is kind of like the straws that are kind of being built on the camel's back um, at this point of frustration levels that we're just building. It's just we're the victims of our own downfall. It's not like we're being completely outplayed and we're being taught how to play football it's we're just being a bit crap here and we're not doing the basics right yeah I think James mentioned it really well like there's a lot of games that we've already spoken about being in good positions at half time or taking the lead at good points in the game and yeah. we're talking about 2-1 defeats and the word frustrations already coming up quite a lot it absolutely is it's a bit of a theme through this season and probably the key word to describe this season frustrating yeah uh, well, anyway, we ended the year on a positive 2-0 win against A12 rivals Southend United, who at this point were bottom of the league, but came to us having picked up a little bit of form on the back of uh, us losing our last three games 2-1. Two second-half goals, an excellent Joby McEnough free kick, and a sublime Connor Wilkinson chip, having been fed by the aforementioned McEnough, helped us to seal all three points in that game. Yeah, so that meant we ended the month and the year in 10th position in League 2, having played 21, won 9, drawn 3, lost 9, goal difference of plus 5 and 30 points. So even at this stage of the season, considering how many defeats we've spoken about, still 10th and still very much with a chance of making the playoffs. So let's talk about 2021 in the month. Started with some big games um, and at this point, we didn't have that many games in general. We had a lot of Saturday games, but our opponents were still playing catch-up a little bit with Tuesday, Saturday. So we started the year off at home against big spenders, Salford City, who were just above us in the league, but a win would show some solid intent. Ross was still self-isolating, but named an unchanged squad from the team who beat 
South End. A huge let off in the 15th minute. Thomas Asante missed a target from a yard out, basically an open goal, yeah. really unmarked. Do you remember Sneak. that? I do. He yeah. should really should have scored that one. Yeah. But some neat possession football. Bardio's in the 31st minute. Eventually saw Dan Happy feed a pass through to Craig Clay, who superbly controlled the ball, played the ball to DJ, who took one touch, turned, shot into the bottom of the corner of the net to score the only goal of the game and secure all three points which meant we were level on points with Sal for Salford but I had played two games more but that was a really good performance and again another point where you're thinking right if you can kick on from this you could really have a good chance of making the playoffs I remember thinking we've got luck on our side and I think we spoke a lot about luck around this period where we're going to win a few more games of players like Asante Thomas who should bury their chance from 15 yards out and whack it over and Vigory making some wonder saves that he shouldn't be making and us getting one chance through Danny Johnson most of the time and scoring it and thinking well maybe Lady Lucky's smiling on us or maybe it will be our season yeah absolutely next up were league leaders at the time Carlisle United with an earlier kick off of 1 o'clock or so we thought but bad weather meant the game was called off Uh, and postponed. So the next game was Morecambe at home on Saturday the 16th of January. A hard game due to the fact that Morecambe put 11 men behind the ball for most of the game. We found pockets of space and chances hard to come by uh, because of that. But Morecambe had more than a few great chances to take the lead but missed them and we got really what we deserved and had a bit of luck as Tunji Akinola's searching cross was headed into his own goal by Nat Percival uh, sorry, by Knight Percival in the 88th minute and four minutes later Leanne Gold put the game beyond doubt scoring from close range at the near post following a low cross from JB McEnough and it's worth pointing out as well that the rumour mill and conspiracy theorists were out in force this weekend as leading scorer Dan Johnson who picked up an injury against Salford missed this game but obviously everyone thought that he was being protected because he was being sold. Good memory there, Mr Levy. Good memory. So Thank the you. following Saturday, we should have played Crawley, but they were still involved in the FA Cup. So that game against Crawley was postponed and instead our rearranged game at home to Forest Green Rovers was slotted in yeah, instead. Because that was meant to be on the Tuesday, but we brought that forward yeah, made, cleverly. Yeah, made sense. Although I guess we wish that we hadn't because Forest Green Rovers came to us with a game plan. Their manager said post-match they made five changes to allow them to play a different formation to combat our threats. And this... And their usual ugly brand of football <laughs> worked well as they walked away with all three points. There's a long goal kick up field to our right hand side. So Sam misjudged a flight of the ball. Bailey Cargill took advantage, drove forward, squared a pass to Nicky Cadden, who calmly took the ball inside our box and prodded home to score the only goal of the game in the 22nd minute. And to add to this, Dan Happy also got a red card in the 64th minute. When you are going through the season as a whole, Dan Happy's given away a lot of penalties and got a lot of red cards. Can't see, yes, it's not his best season, <laughs> let's be honest about it. Poor goal to concede. Nobody seemed to be close enough to him uh, to do anything to stop the shot. So really, really poor there. And we finished January by making the long journey up to Bolton Wanderers who hadn't won in their last five games and up step Leighton Orient who are up next. If you need three points, we're happy to help out, lads. And that stat was put to bed, as I say, they scored two goals in the second half, in two second half minutes, sorry, through James, sorry, uh, they scored two second half goals in, in, sec, in two second half minutes through a James Brophy own goal and an Ian Doyle goal to win the game 2-0. And I think it's fair to say, with very few exceptions, we really didn't play well at all. We barely tested their keeper, which wasn't the only game that that was to be the case in. Um, and in episode 233, we started asking a lot of questions about core 
core elements that you need to be a professional footballer about desire, ambition, determination, those sorts of things, if we're to be serious contenders. I think this was, this was the beginning of the end for Ross Embleton. This yeah. is where the winless run kind of starts. So Forest Green Rovers was the first game in that run. Bolton was second. There was starting to be a few questions about team selection and about substitutions and not reacting to what was going on. And it was starting to maybe feel that Ross wasn't the best person to take us forward. Or certainly more sections of the fan base were starting to ask more questions yeah. about it. And especially, I remember, yeah, 233, lots of questions. That's probably the first episode where you always had the naysayers who were always the same people. But that just didn't want but more people yeah. were starting to ask questions saying, no, I really like Ross. However, I'm starting to get slightly concerned. So it was a big time coming up for Ross Embleton. Worth noting at the end of Jan, a late surge of transfer activity saw new blood arrive to the club. As in came central midfielder Nick Freeman on loan from Wickham. We were very excited about That's that on one. paper, he was a good League One player coming out of the Championship Club at the time. He, League One, League Two promotions on his CV. He'll go somewhere next season and, and be a player of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Centre-back Adam Thompson came in on a free transfer from Rotherham. Attacking midfielder Dan Kemp came in from West Ham after being on loan from Blackpool. And Tristan Abraham, surprisingly, I would say, returned to the O's on transfer deadline day on loan from Newport <coughs> until the end of the season, as well as the ins. There were a few outs as off went Josh Wright on a permanent deal to Crawley on a two-and-a-half-year deal. So fair play that. for Josh Wright to get in that deal. And JMD also joined Crawley on loan <coughs> until the end of the season. So that league position at the end of January saw us in 10th. 25 points, uh, sorry, played 25, won 11, drawn 3, lost 11, goal difference of 5 with 36 points. So you can see at this point, 25 games in, we've won as many as, or lost as many as we've won with very, very few draws. If you turn a few of those losses into draws, yeah, you know, you, you're talking about a very, very different uh, league situation. But we'll move on now. <clears throat> excuse me, to February 2021. And first up, we're on the road to Crawley Town. And after a good start, we went down to 10 men on the half-hour mark as Hector Kiprianu misjudged the tackle. The ref showed him a straight red card. Thanks in part, possibly, to some of the actions of various Crawley Town players uh, who ended up surrounding the referee. Uh, that said, we looked a very solid side and arguably the more likely to score, despite being down to 10 men. New signing Adam Thompson started in defence in place of the suspended Dan Happy. And I think he marshalled the back line superbly there. Nick Freeman and Dan Kemp were also starters for this one. And overall, the fan base were quite happy with the, the effort and desire shown in this match, which is something to build on as we ended up taking a point from what is deemed a bogey side. Yeah, lots of positives in that one. Good mm. fighting point. Adam Thompson made a superb debut, so we were all very hopeful um, and saw that one as a positive rather than a negative. So next up, we're out from Colchester at home. They'd not won in nine games. And after our performance against Crawley, fan base was expecting a good performance and all three points. Tristan <coughs> Abrahams made his debut following his transfer deadline day loan move back to us. Danny Johnson was named back on the bench after his injury. And although we enjoyed 61% possession, we barely threatened the inexperienced Colchester keeper. Colchester had some chances of their own, had a glorious chance in the opening few minutes as Noble's header came back off the bar. But the game finished nil-nil. Bit of a nothing game. And again, a really frustrating Sunday night podcast followed where mm. we said, you know, we're not we're not testing opposition keepers. But whilst we were looking okay defensively and having sixty one percent possession, doesn't matter if you are not having any shots on target. 
you could have one percent possession and have a shot on target. It doesn't matter. Mm. Having sixty-one, so ninety-nine percent possession. But if you're not getting any shots on target, it doesn't. It means nothing. Does yeah, it? very I'd frustrating. Rather have, I'd rather have twenty percent possession, five shots on target, and win two nil, and have it that way, rather than have eighty percent possession, yeah. no shots, and and end up losing the game. One, you know, it's yeah, one of those. It's just a bit of a pointless stat. But anyway, we were delighted to be joined by Kent Teague on uh, the Sunday night podcast following that. That's episode 234 for anyone that wants to go back and check that out. This was a bumper show as we spent 45 minutes or the best part of 45 minutes catching up with the principal investor of the club and vice chairman who clarified a lot of things for Orient fans at that time. That was a pretty pivotal point in time for us to have Kent on the podcast, I remember. Yeah, he was very good, very honest, as he always is. Probably be quite interesting, actually, to listen to that back in hindsight, considering the actions of what happened two to three weeks later. Absolutely. So, as always, we appreciate Kent Teague and Nigel Travis and all the board members and players who we've had on throughout the season. So, up next, we were due to have a two-game week with an away fixture to Carlisle on the Tuesday, but having moved the timing of the fixture to half past two to beat the freezing wintry conditions, it was no surprise when the game was called off just two hours before at midday due to a frozen pitch. Nobody shocked by it, but a wasted two days of travelling there and back. So Harry got away was supposed to be up next. Their Tuesday night game went ahead, so we were all hopeful with this one being on. But again, thanks to the weather, this game was called off in a game that would have been shown live for free on Orient Live, which would have been better than the eventual one that was shown on Orient Live but we'll come back to that in a bit but a game was called off with over 24 hours notice so a bit of common sense being used there but a bit little football being played over that period absolutely so with two full weeks on the training ground at Grave Ross and the staff plenty of time to prepare and give the players a bit of probably much needed rest as well probably had a few days off in between there and we faced an out of form Port Vale who were up next um, worth probably pointing out here, I made a note, the feeling of fan unsettlement uh, about our performances and form, many raging on social media and in private or in WhatsApp groups as well. So uh, as I say, Port Vale were up next. Uh, we were at home. Uh, they just appointed Daryl Clark uh, from Walsall. He'd left uh, there just before our match. New manager bounce incoming paying an undisclosed fee to Walsall for his services. It wasn't a game that will be living long in anyone's memory. Vale took the lead straight after half-time as James Brophy was dispossessed by David Worrell. He smashed his shot past Lawrence Vigrew into the bottom corner and then a poor start to the half. But Dan Kemp was on hand in the 62nd minute, scoring his first goal in an Orient shirt as good work from James Brophy saw him drive up the pitch. He fed Kemp, who turned expertly, to bury his shot in the bottom corner of the net. We had chances... But unfortunately, we didn't put any away, so the match ended one all. Yeah, I mean, that was a fr- another frustrating game. Again, you, we'll have to talk about Ross shortly. You could say that he had unlucky, he was unlucky with fixtures and new manager bounces, but at one all in the 62nd minute, he thought there's only one team we should go and win this and turn one point into three. And that yeah. should have been late in Orient, but didn't see it. No, but, but Daryl Clark has obviously come in uh, and, and, and made them a little bit harder to beat. They, they looked well organised, um, they were set up well, they defended in numbers. But like you say, we could have and should have done better. No no question or a doubt. Yeah, I think at this point as well, it was starting to hit fans a bit more watching it from home. So when you're winning these games, you kind of don't really think about performance too much. You just go, oh, well, we won 2-0 or 1-0 or 2-1 or whatever, and you, you're not really bothered about it. But when you draw one or one or see a few defeats, it kind of resonates with you more because yeah. there's no outlet for it. So a very, very frustrated fan base. So we were on the road for our next match at Bradford City as we went to the most informed side in our league on a Tuesday night, which was the 23rd of February. 
in a game where we didn't have a single <laughs> shot on target and a penalty score by Callum Cook, conceded by Adam Thompson, appeared who appeared to have wrestled Andy Cook to the floor in the 81st minute, settled this one. Yeah, and Bradford were on a bit of an upturn in form. They'd uh, sacked their previous manager and they had a new managerial duo who have just been sacked. <laughs> um, they were in caretaker charge uh, initially and were made permanent just a couple of days before we played them. So I think now that, I think that was the sixth game on the spin where we hadn't won and you could feel pressure was starting to build on Ross Embleton. I think we were also quite critical of them um, at that point because how a professional football team doesn't have any shots on target, you have to ask questions. Yeah. I think. 100%. So we were all very unhappy with that one. It was starting, the tide was definitely starting to turn. So our final game of the month was against the league's second most informed side in Tranmere Rovers. We had quite a rem- remarkable turnaround since they appointed Keith Hill. This was on Saturday, the 27th of February. The game followed the form table as Tranmere were 3 0 up by the 63rd minute from goals from Paul Lewis. Kane Willery and Kieran Morris and I don't remember this Jamie Turley came on scored instantly for a header and almost scored another one straight, straight away after, yeah. <laughs> yeah imagine yeah but I mean Jamie Turley I guess we'll speak about Jamie Turley as, as the season goes on coming out from the cold to be a sub and getting a goal and putting in yeah. a really decent performance so the game finished and about 45 minutes later Ross Embleton was relieved of his duties. Yeah, Cobb's statement was released at half past five and it read that Leighton Orient can confirm it has parted company with head coach Ross Embleton following Saturday's 3-1 defeat to Tranmere Rovers. Orient chairman Nigel Travis said this was an extremely difficult decision for us to make and one which we have done with heavy hearts. Nobody can underestimate nor should ever forget the influence and impact Ross has had on the rebirth of our club. He was an integral part of our National League success and he stood up to lead the team following the tragic loss of Justin Edinburgh and again put himself forward when we were later in need of a head coach. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit of a crazy Saturday. I think by this point, I think there was a, the whole social media element of Leighton Orient had got, been, been going mental for quite a few weeks. And I think I texted you when the third goal went in and I said, oh, he's not going to make it. Like, there's no way they're going to keep him after this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it it was hard to argue Ross's case, I guess, at that point with seven winless games, performances not getting better. And as it turned out, a change of expectation from the board following the four new players coming in. I Mm. think every Orient fan, apart from one, um, probably wanted Ross Embleton to do really well and was hoping and praying that he would be the man to lead Leighton Orient forward this season out of League Two. And, you know, he did have some bad luck in terms of the COVID outbreak, playing a lot of new managers or a lot of informed teams at the wrong times. But ultimately, that isn't what's on a result table. It would just say Leighton Orient 1, Tranmere Rovers 3. And and that's what the cutthroat business of football is about. And at that point, you know, the board, and I would say more... a higher percentage of the Orient fan base would have agreed with that. Not, it wasn't even 50-50 at this point anymore. It was more like yeah. 70-30, 80-20, to be honest. So a shame to see Ross go. Yeah. But ultimately, a decision that was made by the board for the benefit of the club in their eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And Ross didn't really have the kind of traditional start to his managerial career, did he? Because obviously he's taken over straight after sort of Justin had passed away. Then his first season sort of gets ended abruptly because of the covid outbreak last March and then this year we're starting in Covid so it's not really had that kind of 
typical entrance into into management so it was tough because you know he he has the club's best interest at heart he wasn't just a job for him he was managing the club he supported as a kid um, and he was living his dream and unfortunately that you know it was always going to come to an end at some point because no manager stays in a job for life that's just not going to happen but it would have just been better if you know if it had happened slightly differently but that wasn't meant to be so on Sunday the 28th of February the club announced, so this is the following day, the club announced that Joby McEnough had been appointed as interim manager, keywording there, manager and not coach. Nigel Travis joined us on the podcast the following day um, to talk, uh, actually joined us on the Sunday night, uh, that was episode 236, to talk about everything, and this was a huge episode, just over the two hours, uh, but, but really, really well worth it. Nigel gave us so much insight, and it was brilliant, great timing on his part to say, can I come on and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a mad weekend, and we we're obviously lucky enough to be able to go direct to Nigel at points, and we were chatting, and he, he offered to come on the podcast, and then we saw him do the official club video, which was eight minutes long, and we thought, oh, well, what, what, what are we going to get out of him that he's not already said? But then we managed to talk to him for forty minutes. He he said, "Ask me anything," and when you get told that by the chairman of your football club, then you are obviously going to take him, mm-hmm. you know, take take, take him, him up take him up on it. it. So. Yeah. All we can say is props to Nigel for coming on the podcast that evening. And I definitely, when I heard that Joby had been made into manager, I was not best pleased by it. I didn't yeah. see what the you were. I didn't, yeah. I didn't see what the point was. Why would you put out Ross Embleton for Joby McEnough? For no disrespect to Joby, who had managed a grand total of zero games in football um, and had played in Ross's very last match and made a hash of one of the goals that led to his dismissal. So I wasn't best pleased with it. But I must say, Nigel did convince me at the time, if we're talking to him about Joby's interview and from what from what Nigel said on the podcast, I was a hundred percent completely in to that appointment that he done. So that meant we ended February fourteenth in League Two, having played thirty, won eleven, drawn six, lost thirteen, with a goal difference of plus two, and on thirty nine points. Yeah, absolutely. So we're into March now, and we started March off with a trip to the league's bottom side, Grimsby Town, in what was Joby McEnough's. First game in charge as interim manager. All eyes were on this one to see what his first team selection would be. Joby rested Connor Wilkinson and Dan Happy. And in came Joe Woodison and Jamie Turley. Straight back into the squad as Jamie Turley had kind of been left yeah. uh, on the sidelines by Ross. Joby also stepped aside and in came Craig Clay. This meant James Brophy played in the front three and Joe Woodison, Adam Thompson, Jamie Turley and Tunji Akinola were at the back. It's probably worth saying, worth saying that I don't think we did mention that, again, when we spoke to Nigel, the expectation of the board had changed. Yes, true. So it was all about getting into the playoffs and they yep. thought that Joby was the man to do that. I remember being quite excited for the Grimsby match. It was, I think, probably one of the, only the, of the handful of away games that I bought because I was completely invested to see what Joby we was going to do. The yeah. club had sold it really well. There was a bit of oomph to it. We were all a bit excited. You see the line-up and... Brophy's playing as a left forward. Widows is back at left, left back. back. Turley's a centre back. You're like, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit of change. It we felt a bit more alive. It all got a bit bland and a bit like. Oh, it's what we've been uh, saying as fans, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Play Brophy further up. Put Joe Widdowson at left back. Let's play in players in their kind of traditional positions. But I also remember Nigel said that in Joby's interview at 8 o'clock on the Saturday night was that he said that he felt the squad was a top three squad. And Nigel didn't necessarily agree, but, you know, he wasn't going to shoot Joby's opinion down. It's Joby's opinion. 
to which kind of even sold it. You know, I was kind of on board with it, but that kind of really cemented it for me as well. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. A scrappy encounter this one, as it was always probably going to be on a Tuesday night in Grimsby. Poor pitch. Adam Thompson substituted in a second minute, went up for a header, clashed heads, got a bleeding head for his troubles, came down, <laughs> fractured his foot. What, what damn luck. So in came Dan Happy who turned out to be the match winner. He scored the only goal of the game from a James Brophy free kick in the 20th minute. Dan Kemp hit the bar twice, one in each half, and a, a good game for the Orient. Three points, a clean sheet. Could have scored more, probably should have scored more. And we were all hopeful that you know this appointment was going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were on the road next yeah. um, for the second time in a week as we went down to Exeter City, who at the time we played them were just outside of the playoffs. And uncharacteristically... Lawrence Vigory was at fault for the first two goals as we conceded two goals in less than two minutes. One went through his legs, if you remember, and the other one slipped through his hands. I remember those going in and I thought, you know, he's not he's been solid all season and he's just had a little bit of a wobble for whatever reason um, there. But I remember we weren't that... We've not been harsh to Lawrence. I don't think we've been harsh to people generally, but we were least critical of him. Yeah, I think the first season. goal... You can go right through his legs, like unlucky, but the second the second goal was really bad, really disappointing. It gets yeah. even worse as Exeter made it 3-0 just before half-time and sealed at the 4-0 win just five minutes into the second half as Matt Jay, probably one of the best players I've seen in this league by a mile, <coughs> put a penalty away after he was foul was conceded by Tunji Akinola in the game that we all watched for free and would rather yeah. not have. Absolutely, <laughs> 90 minutes of your life you're never going to get back. Uproar amongst Orient fans who had a meltdown on social media at this point, unsurprisingly really, as none of the players could come out of that game really with any credibility given how bad it was. Certainly not the start Joby would have wanted. Uh, and I think I remember saying at the time in the podcast that we did was that, you know, despite us not playing brilliantly under Ross towards the end, we never felt like that we were on or going to be on the end of a 4-0 thumping. Yeah, I mean, that was a proper... Proper turnover. Yeah. When you look back on that, though, I think that game probably changed Joby McEnough's perception of how to set up a team. Because after that, Brophy's back at left back. It's all a bit more defensive. It's all a bit more possession based. It's very much less direct. And I think that game actually, looking back on it now, might have been the undoing of Joby McEnough. And this might sound ridiculous because he goes on to win a couple of games, well, quite a few Four games after. Back, yeah. But from being an attacking direct, it suddenly became very defensive against very much possession based as opposed to what it was because yeah. we couldn't live with Exeter that day yeah but then there are teams that just have their day and we and, yeah. and other teams that don't um, yeah so up next on a Tuesday night was Stevenage who had quietly crept up the league from the relegation zone to just one point and one place behind us a nil nil draw that was ex- as exciting uh, <laughs> as the scoreline Joby changed the formation to 4-2-3-1 Craig Clay and Usisa is the holding midfielders Dan Kemp as a number 10 we had zero shots on target, which most, if not all fans, again deemed unacceptable. Well, it was a rubbish game that was. Yeah. Let's, let's not, you know, let's not polish a turd in any way. <laughs> it is what it is. Nil-nil. So no, Joby's record after three games was 1-1, one, one, drawn one, lost one. But a disappointing performance, I think, that one against Stevenage. The following Saturday, we hosted Scunthorpe United. And despite starting brightly, Nathan Loft put them ahead in the 12th minute. He, he gave Dan happy such a solid time. <clears throat> in this game but we were level 23 minutes later as Dan Kemp freaking was swung in Usi so he got his head to the ball got a vital touch on it one all and that is how the game finished with very little else of note to happen in this game as that was our only effort on target again really disappointing Dan Kemp's influence was starting to become more and more now you, you were starting to see Kemp 
have a bigger influence in games, but another very boring game, I would say. Yeah, but worrying and frustrating time for it, fans, as you know, a change had been made with a view to be making the playoffs, and you thought a new guy's going to come in with new ideas, but we weren't really seeing any improvement in games or, or the outcome. I mean, all right, to be fair to JB, at this point, he's had three games in 12 days, so maybe not the best time to make that particular point, but... Um, because he's not had a chance to change anything, but it, not so much as even a tweak to anything. You know, he tried it in the Exeter game, we got spanked, and then he's gone, as you said, back to default, Brophy at left back, um, and, and sort of tweaking, you know, going back to possession-based yeah, football. The, the Stephen is just going football games. Had you not known Ross Hamilton had left late in you would never have you known. You would never have known it, no, yeah. absolutely. So there was no midweek game following this for the first time in a while. So Joby and the coaching staff had some good quality time on the training ground before the next fixture, which was away to Newport County in Cardiff. So a tough game was played on a beautiful pitch in a magnificent stadium, especially at League 2 level. Ended with the mighty O's coming back to England with all three points after their European journey was won due to Connor Wilkinson's goal. As Dan Kemp did well down our left on the hour mark, flashed the ball across goal, ended up going in at the back post took a slight deflection of a county player into the path of Wilkinson, who tapped home from two yards. I think there was an offside flag, and it was a bit, is it or isn't it? And it was given, VAR, Wolves of the day, we take the three points back, everyone's happy. That felt like a good win. And suddenly, again, you look at the table, and we're in with a shout out of the playoffs. You're like, how on earth is this still possible after all the points we've spoken about and dropped, that we are still... I think like two able. or three points at this point off the playoff races. What is going on? Still able to talk about playoffs as if they're within reach, you know? <laughs> we were on the road the following Tuesday. Our joint longest trip of the season was Carlisle away and it was Connor Wilkinson again with the only goal of the game that meant we came back to London with all three points and it came in the 88th minute. But you could argue... Um, that it was well worth the wait. Lawrence Vigarou's catch and quick long goal kick upfield to Connor Wilkinson, who was found superbly. He allowed the ball to bounce. The keeper came rushing out of his goal and Wilkinson just lobbed him from a good 20-odd yards out. A spectacular goal to cap off what had been an otherwise poor game. Neither team really showing much flair or determination to take their game to the opponents and two games, two clean sheets and two goals for Connor Wilkinson. We were seeing a new dynamic here. Yeah, can't ask for more than that. Great finish by Connor. We were all hopeful now at this point, buzzing again to be Orient fans. Back on home soil the following Saturday against Oldham Athletic, who had recently appointed Keith Curl. An entertaining game this one, very open actually. Orient weren't hanging around. We took the lead through Connor Wilkinson, who was on target for the third consecutive game as he scored from a tight angle in the seventh minute, actually boshed it past the keeper. Great finish there. Turning Clark, really great to see. Impressive Dan Kemp was also on the score sheet just before half-time, taking advantage of a poor back pass across the old box from XO Nicky Adams as he found a gap. Cooley placed his shot into the bottom corner to double the lead. Oldham pulled a consolation goal back on the hour mark for a neat goal from leading scorer Conor McElney, whose shot on the turn beat Vigou into his bottom corner. But despite some pressure, the O's saw the game out 2-1 to take the three points when the third game on the trot... And at this point, we are all talking about the playoffs again. Mm. Absolutely. Conor McAllen is out of contract. He's been offered a new contract by Oldham, but he's a player I'd quite like to see. It. And I thought he was pretty good. And his name came up a few times um, during the course of the season. I think he was one of the leading assists or one of the leading scorers. Oh, yeah, just above Dan Johnson on 17 goals. So he's someone I'd, I'd be quite happy if we yeah. went, uh, pushed the boat out to get. Remarkable turnaround in Orient's fortune, having dropped to 14th 
place really, 10 points adrift of the playoffs and a minus goal difference early this month to now being ninth in the league, uh, played 37 games with one fifteen, drawn eight, lost 14, goal difference of two points. And I forgot to make a note of how many points <laughs> we got, but if you're good at maths and can be bothered and are interested, you can work it out. Uh, it's all very tight as we headed into April in the closing stages of the season. And we started the month of April at Mansfield on Good Friday. Joby made it four wins on the bounce as DJ found his shooting boots once again, scoring a brace following some poor defensive passing mm. From Mansfield to ensure we walked away with all three points. What turned out to be it was a relatively comfortable win. We, t- you know, I think DJ had a chance in the fourth minute. Their keeper saved. He scores yeah. from the resulting corner. You know, job done, really. Mansfield yeah. rubbish. We got a second goal, sort the game out. And at that point, again, the playoffs are there for the taking. Yeah, they really were. We had Warsaw at home on Easter Monday, and in what many fans thought would be a home win, turned out to be a lacklustre and underwhelming performance as we played out a nil-nil draw with the team who hadn't won in 13 games, but by the same token, had a lot of drawn games on their uh, on their league list. Um, so by the time, you know, they'd only lost by the odd goal here or there, so it wasn't really that they were that really bad or they'd drawn some. So a game where we had four shots at goal, but zero on target summed up the day, really. And McEnough said in his post-match interview that the team were tired and this didn't meet their expectations either. Yeah, a difficult game. We probably deserved to lose that one, in all honesty. Took the point, and then next we had Cheltenham up on Saturday, 10th of April. This felt like a big game going away to Cheltenham. Yeah, we felt if we were to go to Cheltenham and beat them, then we would have a real head of steam yeah. going into the playoffs. They were second in the league at this point. However, it wasn't to be. It was a penalty that won the game for Cheltenham, which they scored to take them to the top of the league. Again, Vigarou could have been questioned. Well, Vigo was questioned for doing what he'd done. He comes rushing out of his goal, clattered Andy Williams from a long ball, and Connor Thomas scored the penalty as Charlton held out to win the game 1 0. And a game where we didn't really show much attacking threat, and with that defeat for us, it's going to be tough now, but, but not impossible. Yeah, but another game where we had two shots at, at goal, only one on target, so everyone's on social media complaining about our lack of creativity. You know, as again a reoccurring theme. We, as we entered April, uh, Mid-April, sorry, we had a busy week. A winnable two fixtures is what we, we thought as we were on the road to Harrogate Town for our rearranged fixture. Yeah, this was a big game because the way results had turned out meant if we beat Harrogate, we would have gone in the top seven. Yeah. So I remember this, a real big opportunity and a game that we only took a point from despite taking the lead, not once, but twice as the game ended two all. It was nil at half-time. Second half started with Connor Wilkinson's weak shot going under their keeper to make it 1-0 to us. They got back into it through a Poor defensive goal from our point of view. And Danny Johnson pounced on another bad back pass from a defender that didn't make it to their keeper. We go 2-1 up. Again, more poor defending. Sees Harrogate equalise. And then I think in the 89th minute, DJ all alone in the box, ball on his head. Really should have scored it. Yeah. Straight at their keeper. Makes the save. Full-time whistle goes tall. And that's as good or as close as we're ever getting to the playoffs. Yeah, that is literally it. Then we were at home to Barrow in our 42nd league game of the season at the slightly earlier kick-off time of 12.30 as Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh's funeral, was scheduled at 3 o'clock. And as a mark of respect, all games were kicking off in League 2 at 12.30. It turned out to be a comfortable 2-0 win as Dan Happy hooked the ball into the net in the 52nd minute from close range. And after a superb cross-field ball uh, pass from Dan Happy to Connor Wilkinson, he passed to Dan Kemp, who allowed the ball to come across him 
and fired into the bottom corner of the Barrow goal to seal all three points for the O's, meaning the O's were still very much in the playoff race. Yep, still in it with four games left to go. Another good goal there from Dan Kemp, so Kemp really coming into his own. Yeah, I feel like we're teasing Orient fans with this playoff talk, but obviously we're doing it retrospectively, but it's just like, we're still in with the playoffs, we're still in with the playoffs. Oh, we didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, no spoilers here. There is no happy ending. We're going to make the playoffs. No, there's no happy ending. Four games left in. Don't come much tougher than the one next up for the O's as we hosted top of the league, Cambridge United. And in true O's style, we were the masters of our own downfall. Made it into half-time at one all. Decent half. Cambridge scored a decent goal through Joe Ironside. Dan Kemp cancelled that out just before half-time. Second half was a a different kettle of fish. One all, 61st minute. Craig Clay comes on, 63rd minute, 2-1 Cambridge, Charlotte Tracy scores uh, from a rebound from a corner, 67th minute, we've got to see the penalty, Jimmy Munnin scores, well done Craig Clay, you've been on the pitch for six minutes with a 3-1 down after coming on at one all. Yeah. got back into it though for a fortunate own goal at 3-2, and I remember this vividly thinking right, you've got 18 minutes left, go for it Joe, we just crack and just push them all forward, just go 4 2 four, or 3-2-4 four or something, or 3-3-4 three, three, or something just like that, just, just go 1-0-10, just go for it. Jamie Turley had other ideas though with a, with a throw in that he threw straight to Ironside who walked it straight yeah. up to their goal smacked it in remember that bizarre throw yeah, in yeah I do terrible and at that point all done done and dusted Absolutely. lost the game 4-2 Cambridge are going up we're going nowhere yeah indeed we are South End big game big big game for us and for me this was the, the, the point that kind of killed the season for me they needed three points. Uh, we needed three points to stay in the playoff race, knowing that a win would relegate Southend on that day. They hadn't won in seven games, but they'd had a slight upturn in form with the appointment of Phil. Phil Brown. He started loves getting. He started Brown. getting them a few points and better. It made them harder to beat. Yeah. They had a couple of nil-nil draws, so I say an upturn in form. They weren't tearing trees up, but they were harder to beat I think at this point it's very much still worth talking about three games left we could still make the playoffs yes. even though we lost to Cambridge United and again Ryder Rovers stuff isn't it you can still make the playoffs and you can relegate your local rivals yeah. what, what, what more motivation would you need well step up the match day squad for Leighton Orient and uh, let's put paid to that typical Orient style a lacklustre and arguably a terrible performance saw us lose this 2-1 giving Southend faint hope of staying up and literally killing our playoff chances uh, Louis Dennis with our goal right on the stroke of half-time. Yeah, lowest point of the season. We were interviewed yeah. earlier in the week for a football vlog that will be out at some point in the summer. We were asked our lowest point of the season. That was it. Southend United away, without a question of a doubt. Southend United away, lowest point of the season. So even then, it's, it still wasn't mathematically impossible to get into the playoffs with two games left. There were games on that Tuesday that finally put us out of our misery, which confirmed that we would not be making the playoffs. So with two games left... We knew it was League 2 for us. We welcomed Carlisle at home for the final league game at Brisbane Road for the season. Connor Wilkinson gave us a dream start, put us ahead in the third minute following a fine long pass from Tunji Akinola. He held off his man and finished well. Lawrence Vigaru came to the rescue shortly after as he saved Zanala's penalty after Dan Happy brought him down after losing possession. We then had our own penalty in the 24th minute. As another long ball from Tunji, found Wilkinson, who was through on goal. He got brought down by Norman. Kemp took the penalty Norman made a decent save to be mm. fair so uh, it was a really enjoyable game but one ultimately that would not be enjoyable as it went on yeah because Mellish pulled Carlisle level in the 42nd minute but Dan Kemp pounced onto an underhit back pass rounded Norman and restored our lead just before half time Lewis Alessandra pulled Carlisle level in the 54th minute from a penalty spot following a clumsy challenge from Joby McEnough of all people uh, who was subbed in the 70th minute subbed himself off um, and from his reaction, looked as if he'd played his last minutes of the season. 
and his career as Carlisle walked away with all three points as Tanner scored in the first minute of added time at the end of the game to compound a miserable few weeks for the O's. That game probably sums up our season nicely. Yeah. Take the lead, give away a penalty, somehow you know, save the penalty, then get our own penalty, miss that, miss it. then yeah. let them equalise, then get gifted another goal, yeah. mess that up, <laughs> and then lose the game. Still, so that meant one more game left. Salford away, final game of the season. Flip-flops, Suncream replied before this game as the Salford side ran rampant in the second half. Salford missed an early penalty. He's down happy. Pulled Ian Henderson down. But Lawrence Tavigui made a great save from George Boyce's penalty. But Salford did take the lead through Gotts in the 42nd minute as Lawrence Tavigui should have done better. And Asante Thomas killed the game off with a tap-in in the 50th minute and a solo goal in the 66th minute. That was reminiscent of the O's season, which finished with a 3-0 away defeat. Yeah, our final league standing for the 2020-21 season is 11th, played 46, won 17, drawn 10, lost 19. We've got a minus two goal difference and we ended up with 61 points. Yeah, so shortly after this match, it was confirmed that Joby McEnough would not be staying on as manager of the O's and that the club was seeking a manager with League 2 and League 1 experience with the aim for the forthcoming season already being made very clear, which was promotion. And that probably seems like a perfect time to bring on our next guest, as <laughs> luck would have it. So before we bring you our views, we're delighted to be joined on the phone by Leighton Orient board member. It's Mr Matt Porter. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hello, chaps. Nice to speak to you. Thanks for, ha- thanks for staying, uh, staying with us and, uh, and, and, and waiting there for us, Matt. How's everything with you? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It uh, feels a bit strange now there's no games at the weekend. So, um, yeah, r- bring on the new season. <laughs> you masochist. Are you, are, you pleased to see of course. The back, are you pleased to see the back end of that season then? Um, yeah, look, it was a unique season. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I should say that despite the fact that this will bring on plenty of sarcastic comments, I do feel extremely, you know, privileged to have been able to watch us play live week in, week out this season, you know. So... I know that a lot of people have, have missed going to games uh, substantially and it's easy to, to sort of take the mickey in it and say, well, you know, who's going to miss watching that rubbish every week? But ultimately, you know, we're brilliant fans. We know what we've signed up for and going to games home or away is what is what we're in it for. So, you know, for people to have had that taken away for them for so long is very difficult. Um, and, you know, everyone at the club honestly just cannot wait to, to welcome everybody back for, for next season. Fingers crossed we carry on in the same direction as we are doing now. So what were your thoughts on the season, Matt? We've just rounded the season up on the podcast. And for every, you know, great performance, there's, you know, Plymouth at home 3-2, Newport at home 2-1. Forest Green Cup. Forest Green Cup, Bolton 4-0. We talk about a South End 2-1 two, two, away. Yeah. And a few spot- well, I think that's the summary, isn't it? We were inconsistent. You know, we, we, we I think the most sort of uh, sane, I think we, we won four on the trot twice. I think we lost four on the trot twice. And that was about as consistent as we got either way, good or bad. You know, we were we, we were just one thing or the other. And I think probably we finished... You know, I mean, the league table obviously doesn't lie. And I think probably we finished where we where we perhaps thought would have been about where we would have, where we would have been. You know, all, all things considered, I don't think it was a major surprise that we that we finished somewhere in the middle of the table. I think in hindsight, with everything that went on this season and the problems that other clubs faced, it was an opportunity for us to get into the playoffs, and that became more apparent as the season went on, perhaps more so than at the start of it. 
Um, but we never quite strung that many results together that enabled us to really get into that top uh, that top seven. I think we had a week or so in there, you know, halfway through the season, and and that was about it. Um, you know, so it was just that lack of consistency. And actually, for me, the funny thing was, I remember distinctly thinking at the start of the season, this team will score goals in every game and won't keep a clean sheet. And it ended up being almost the opposite way around in that we struggled to score, you know, for large parts of the season, but kept, you know, 19 league clean sheets or whatever it was. Uh, shows what I know. <laughs> um were you kind of ever at a point where you thought that we were going to cement ourselves in the playoff? We, we talked earlier about being in the playoff sixth spot uh, under Ross, uh, never really made it back there. But was there a point in time where you thought, actually, you know what, we are going to make this, you know, we're going to see an upturn and we're going to be there? Or, or was that never really in, in, in your mind? Yeah, I mean, we had a, we had a, a, a sort of pretty good spell around... November and December. I know we lost, we did lose a few games that we shouldn't have lost. Um, you know, I think that probably Crawley at home, uh, Scunthorpe away wasn't great. But around that time, we did have some good results. You know, we played really well against Harrogate at home and won. We had that great win at Port Vale in the last minute. Yeah. Um, you know, and we had that, that bang, 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 three home games in a row against South End, Salford, and Morecambe, where we kept three clean sheets, um, you know, and, 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 sort of looked like we were going to push on um, and then after that things just didn't quite materialise so perhaps that was the time when we thought we could and then again later on you know I think when under Joby when we had the the uh, one defeat in his first eight games and that was against a very good Exeter side who at the time were looking absolutely nailed on for the playoffs mm. um, you know so when we had that run then we thought yeah you know, we could probably sneak. At the time, I think it was probably only the seventh spot that was up for grabs. Um, and we, but we thought we could sneak that. And then we didn't beat Walsall at home. Um, and we had a difficult away game at Cheltenham where we lost when we conceded a penalty. And, and, you know, we perhaps could have even nicked a point against them. And we, never, again, never just never got our form back. So it was just that story, I think, of, you know, two, three, four games on, two, three, four games off. And there was never a... You know, uh, it's always nice when you hear the highlights and and, and it, you hear something like Orient extended their unbeaten run to 11 games as they beat so-and-so at home 16-0. And we just never heard that. You know, it was it was never more than, than a couple of weeks of good or bad form either way. So what positives will you take from the season, Matt? What, what, what can we build on? Uh, the main positive is that we got through it unscathed, you know, and it, it, you, you cannot underestimate and you will never know how difficult this season was um, because of COVID and playing behind closed doors and the financial uncertainty and, you know, not knowing if you're going to be able to play a game because of people self-isolating. Nobody had a clue what the rules were. Across the Football League, there was no consistency in the way the rules were applied in terms of close contacts, positive tests, self-isolation, playing again after self-isolation. It was literally made up as it went along. And I would defy anybody to prove anything otherwise because there was no consistency in the way that the rules were, were applied. And I don't really blame anybody for that because they were brand new rules that nobody had, nobody had had any experience in doing before. But it just turned into a farce. Nobody had a clue why games were being called off or being played at any given point. And that was so difficult. You know, the, the rules about... You know, we travelled away in two different coaches to every game. Well, the lads were together at the training ground five days a week. 
and then they had to sit apart on the coach and they couldn't eat there to go and take their meals in the hotel back to their room. They're single rooms. Obviously, normally footballers share rooms. They couldn't share rooms. They had to go and take their room, meals back to their rooms. They were the only people in hotels. We were the only people on the motorway. I'd get, you get the train to away games, you're the only person on the train. It was just weird, you know. So the, to, to get through that, um, you know, without any major, major casualty, um, I think is, is, is a relief. In terms of other positives, I think, you know, you, 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 we finished in the top half. That's not to be sniffed at. You know, people will say, yeah, we should have finished higher. Yeah, maybe we should have done. But ultimately, we finished in the top half, and that was a six-position improvement from from the previous season. Um, and I think we learned a lot about ourselves. You know, we've transitioned quite a lot over the last 12 months. You know, we, we're, we're pretty much saying goodbye to the National League days now. There's not much in the way of football personnel that remains at the club. And we've evolved the squad, the backroom staff, you know, and, and the mentality uh, into one now, which is focused on getting on league, getting into League One rather than one that is pleased with itself for getting out of the National League. On on that point, Matt, we've obviously offered... Con- I mean, we're going to talk about lots of different things, but mm. just on that point, um, what's the rules about players... Uh, we've, ex- we've offered contracts to players who are out of contract. Uh, yeah. What's the rule about them... accepting or rejecting our offer is they get get 28 days the the offer is valid for 28 days from the day it's made Um, so you're basically looking at the month of May pretty much you know a few days into June Um, I mean you you, you can of course release a player and then go and re-sign him I'm not suggesting that's going to happen um, but you know the the idea is that that you offer somebody a contract and they have 28 days to, to sign it what actually happens is that they have 28 days to go and get themselves a better deal from somebody else yeah because if you know so please don't be under any illusions that somebody's you know and and you should never blame a footballer for looking for a better deal for themselves people might be very happy to play for us but they might be even happier to play for somebody else who might be bigger might be in a higher division might pay them more money might be closer to their home there's lots of different reasons why footballers move on so you know it's not something to get and then one thing that the experience that I've had over the last 20 years has taught me is that it's not something to get too worked up or upset about. He should sign straight away. Why isn't he kissing the badge enough? You know, all of that sort of thing. You've got to live in the real world. These guys have short careers. Their careers hinge on a knife edge that one bad tackle could ruin. Mm. And they've got to go and get the best contracts that are out there for them. You know, they've got, they, 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 they don't owe the club. They don't have to come back here next year and try and get us up to League One, whoever you're talking about, you know. Their, their, their responsibility is to themselves and their families to find the best contract that they can for themselves. And once they've done that, then that, that responsibility shifts on to doing the best that they can for the club. It might well be that for some of those lads, that happens to be Leighton Orient, and for some of the others, for some others it won't be. Well, I think it's a very much crossed for the ones who've been offered contracts that they do sign. And before we let you go, we cannot yeah, have... I agree. I, listen, I agree with that. But what I would say is what, one thing, no player's irreplaceable either. You know, yeah. the flip side is that there's always another player out there who's hungry. There's always another player out there who's got ability. There's always another player out there who's affordable, who's going to be committed, who lives in the right area. You know, so as, as much as we would like people to re-sign... Just look at those retained lists that are being sent out on social media at the moment by other clubs in League One, League Two, even the Championship. There's hundreds and hundreds of players available this summer. You know, so it certainly isn't panic stations from anywhere at Leighton Orient if 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 anybody doesn't re-sign. We've offered players contracts because we want to retain them, but ultimately everybody's replaceable. Yeah, 
and I guess we don't have a manager in place yet either, so we're going to... No, not for the next couple of days, maybe. <laughs> the next couple of days? Oh. So, Matt, we can't obviously have you on the podcast and not ask you about the manager, because that would just be a daft thing to do. Of course, yeah, yeah, it'd be very, uh, very bizarre. Irresponsible of us, Matt. So what? So what? What can you tell us then? How's it all going in terms of the search for? Well, we've been we've been going through a process now. Um, you know, since since the uh, the end of the season, um, and I must say that the the caliber of person who we have spoken to is phenomenal. You know, the shortlist itself is the best shortlist of you know I've ever worked across. You know, we've made some good appointments in the past that I've been you know pleased to be a part of. Um, but often in those environments, there wasn't four, five, six exceptional candidates. And what I would say at the moment is that we have that resource, you know, available to us in terms of the, the, the calibre of person who wants to come and work for us. That's important as well. This What we haven't done is sat there and waited for people to write in and say, Dear Lake Orient, I won football manager 37 years in a row or I'm really good at Power League, or all the sort of novelty ones, and then sift through them and find someone who, you know, who, who might be able to do a job for us. This is people approaching us, saying, we know you're a good club, we feel we can get you promoted. This is why we should be your, or I should be your manager. You know, so the calibre of shortlist is fantastic. Um, you know, the interviews that we've conducted so far have been outstanding. Um, and, you know, the process goes from meeting Martin, you know, Danny and myself, and then Nigel and Ken. And we, you know, we are very, very confident that we will make an appointment that will take this club on to the next level. And is that likely to be soon, do you think? I mean, how close yeah, are you I mean, things, You know, things are never done in five minutes. You know, you, you, would, you would obviously go through the process, with the three-stage process, and, and make a decision, and that might not be that straightforward then if you've got two or even three exceptional candidates so you really you know you, you, you really have, have a difficult decision to make between but once you've once you've identified your, your candidate you obviously would speak to their agent about the financials and you would um you know you, you would come to uh, you know an agreement or you know if they were out, out of your price range but generally you know they, they would know the, the kind of price range that we would be in a position to to offer mm-hmm. And then the contract has to go to the League Managers Association to approve and, you know, you, you work your way through it. So um, there's still obviously issues. There are obviously some issues with COVID in terms of meeting and things like that. So um, it, it will take a few days, but the process is well underway and it won't be too long before it's, before it's resolved. I mean, I know you're not going to disclose names, so I'm not even going to ask you, but in terms of the speculations on the betting, I mean, is it sort of a fairly accurate thing that's being sort of speculated on out there? Or well, Matt Roper's the 25 to 1, isn't he? Who? Matt Roper's 25 to 1, isn't he? Well, he's down from according 100 a... then. I had a tenner on him at 100 to 1. Oh, did you? Okay, you probably, yeah, I mean, according to Can the screenshot I saw on Twitter, I thought he was 25s, I mean, I don't know if, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you could help me out, I mean, it's been I, a tough I year. Looked, I haven't looked for a while, I mean, one thing I would say about the manager markets is that <coughs> the the betting companies offer manager markets for publicity rather than for profit. Um, you know, they know they're going to get coverage when they price up the next manager. So if somebody tries to bet more than about three quid on someone, it changes the market dramatically. Uh, because people assume they've got inside information. Um, so, uh, you know, I must admit, I haven't, I've obviously seen the list a few days ago or whatever. I'm not following it by the hour. So I couldn't tell you who the favourite was at the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, clearly they know who, who who's the sort of person who might be in contention. Cool. 
Nicely cool. done. No, that's cool. We're not going to push that any further because it's a sensitive, a sensitive area, and you're far too, uh, far too wily to. Yeah, uh, I can't. I'd love to tell you guys so you could go and put lots of money on it, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think our bets would would, would be valid. But uh, no. look, Matt, thank, thanks for joining us. I mean, is there a sort of just 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 to finish off a, a message for the Orient fans out there? Yeah, you know, it's, listen, thanks for your patience this year and, and, and the support. I, I, I do appreciate how difficult it is. The games that I've watched on streaming, it is a completely different experience. You know, you, you lose that social environment. You lose the ability to go and interact with, with your family and your friends and, and other supporters at the ground. It, the day doesn't become an experience, you know, sitting down in front of your laptop or your telly at five to three and then turning it off again at five to five. It's not. It's just not the same, you know. And the, uh, my brother actually made a really good point. He's a season to get older in the South Stand, and he said that you know, when you go to a game, you're 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 looking around, you're talking to people, you other things. Sometimes you don't studiously follow the ball as it moves, you know, from the first minute to the last minute. But on when you're watching the streaming. The, the camera just follows the ball, so every mistake is magnified. Every issue becomes a, becomes a drama, you know. And it, and it is difficult. It's a totally different experience. And you know, I think people have been very patient this year, very very supportive of the football club because it's it's been a difficult time. And you know, Danny and, the, and his team have had to work very hard and very creatively to make sure that people feel that they've still been part of the club and still. Uh, been rewarded for their support, you know, and I think I, 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 I do genuinely think, especially compared to a lot of other clubs, we've done that very, very well. So, um, you know, we can't wait to have people back in next year. We can't wait to hear you telling us where we're getting everything wrong and booing <laughs> and everything. <laughs> and and I, no, I mean, joking apart, I, what I can't wait to see is the, is the South stand on its feet doing stand up for the Orient again and that, that, that working its way around the stadium because that for me is, is what we're all about. Miss that, you know. We had it a little bit at the end of the Newport game back in November with the, the, the few hundred people who could make it to that one, and we need to see that again. Fantastic. We look forward to to doing that. Hopefully, very very soon. Matt, all the best. Thank you for coming on the Orion Outlet. Thanks, podcast. guys. Have a great summer, everyone. And thanks too. again for your support. Take care. All the best to you, Matt. Cheers. Bye for now. Bye. 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 So that was Matt Porter. Some exclusives there. Caliber of shortlist it was exceptional, or something along those lines. I love it. Caliber of shortlist is fantastic. So we look forward to that appointment. So not only have we just had Matt Porter and you've already heard from James Cadby and Dave Victor, we are now delighted to have sponsor of the podcast, Mr. Adam Francis from AJF Plastering on the line. Adam, good evening. How you doing, boys? You right? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad, thank you. Good, good stuff. Thanks for uh, staying up uh, so late to, uh, to to join us tonight. I don't know you're an early riser, but so you've just heard there from from Matt Porter. What are your thoughts on what Matt's had to say? Well, I only mean, obviously uh, caught the last sort of uh, minute or so of it. I mean, uh, I think it's a lot of speculation on on uh, who's going to be the next Orient manager, and there's probably you know there's a lot of rumours that. Are, you know, that are going around on Twitter that are not going to be that are going to come out false. There's a lot of people who have got reliable sources. The usual, the usual rumour mill that is uh, every time this thing happens. And uh, for me, I think it would be nice if the club could get it wrapped up nice and early next week. Hopefully, um, just just to start getting things in place. I'd love to see someone like Kelly Jacket in charge. I didn't hear if you actually named any names in his. No, uh, no, no names. He said the calibre of shortlist was fantastic. Probably the best he's ever worked with. And it, it, well, we've, 
we've seen some rumours on Twitter, and, you know, and, and uh, there's been a few private messages going around amongst people, and you know, some of the some of the some of the things that I've read do come from usually reliable places. So if if uh, Kenny Jacket is in in the running. That that would be fantastic. Um, you also hear rumours that you know that that's not not, not quite going to plan. Whether that whether that's the case or not, but Kenny Jacket for me is the one. If if he's interested in managing Leighton Orient, I think you you need to reconsider your whatever budgets are set in place for the manager. I think it's worth reconsidering if somebody like Kenny Jacket, the calibre of Kenny Jacket, is interested. Uh, there's still a few others out there as well, isn't there? You know, you got the Paul Tisdales. Although it hasn't worked out in his last two appointments, he proved at Exeter that he's in for the long haul. He's in for he's in for a project, and let's face it, we're, we're definitely a project. Um, so I wouldn't be adverse to seeing someone like Paul Tisdale, um, Richie Wellins, another one who's been sort of named about. Not quite sure in myself. He was given. Um, every manager's dream at Salford, like an endless pot of, um, you know, squad and this and that, and and yet didn't really get anywhere with it and was relieved of his duties quite quickly. So, not, not too sure on that one, but um, definitely I think if Kenny Jacket's in the running, Kenny Jacket, if I was the owners of the club, I'd definitely be doing yeah. what I can to get him in, in the building. Good shout, good shout. So, We've had you on the podcast a few times this season, but just tell us what were your what were your thoughts on the season? Me and Paul both said very frustrating. Matt, as Matt Porter said, inconsistent. What what are your views? I think inconsistent is, is probably one of the best words that could be used for this season, um, and, fr- and frustrating as well. I mean, I don't know about you you guys, but obviously not being able to go at games has had an effect. It just seems like the longest season of all time, doesn't mm. it? Just it just went on and on and on and it was just disappointment after disappointment. You know, I said on the podcast a few weeks ago that I you know, I still I still stand by what I said that I honestly believe that we were set up wrong in the first place. Um, I thought our, our style of play, although trying to get the ball out to the wide areas constantly and and the way that we was, you know, trying to get the balls into the box, although if it works, it works, but you know, more often than not, it didn't. Most teams got got scripts with us. Most teams knew what we was about. We didn't really try anything different. Mm. Um, I feel, I just feel a bit deflated. I think after this season, I think a season. I think this league this year. I think you know we've only been back in it for two seasons now. But I mean, as far as I can remember, back in any league we've played in, we've been League One, the National League, League. To the old Division Three back in the nineties, this is by far the most open league I've seen. But also, I've never seen a league like this for the taking. I've never seen it where you know there was a good that anybody in the top twelve had chances to get in the playoffs when we finished. You look at the, the points tallies at the end of the season. I mean, Carlisle were top, and then they 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 petered out. You know, we had a chance, and I just think. Um, yeah, I just think we blew, we, we blew it and, and perhaps run out of steam. A, a few players that have, uh, like you know, probably come to the end of their time and, and they knew it, and, and it just petered out so disappointingly. But inconsistent is definitely the word, and uh, I think he's, he's definitely the word to use for it and, and, and frustrating. But you know, as uh, as Lake Norwich fans, let's face it. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I was 
started supporting Orient myself in 93, I think, and, uh, you know, it's since 93, the level of um, achievement in that time has been, you know, very limited, and I didn't support Leighton Orient for that. It's nice to see it, but you, you sort of, you sort of accept it, but you sort of accept disappointment, but this season there was, there was performances and there was things that were going on that were just, be, in the end, become unacceptable, and, uh, I've got to be honest, I'm pretty glad the season's over, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I couldn't wait for it to be over, to be honest with you. But, but I mean, we're talking about in, in the negative context, but what positives were there for us to take from this season, in your view, Ad? Okay, so one of the biggest positives I think that we can take, now, let's forget for a second the, the, uh, what goes on on the football pitch. I know that that is the most important thing, of course it is, what happens on the pitch dictates um, what happens with your football club. But, I mean, you know, some of the stuff that's gone on behind the scenes this season with, with Danny Macklin and, um, you know, the, the marketing department and, and the ways they've tried to sort of generate money, that's a massive... For me, that's one of the biggest positives I've seen because the club have worked really hard this year um, in trying to engage with fans. I mean... I know some of us we poo-poo the um, the <laughs> the post-match, pre-match, and uh, you know before-match uh, stuff with Ollie Buck, and you know we see a lot of like jibing online about you know it could be poor, it could be boring. This person's boring. They should do this. They should. Do. But what other club have tried to engage with fans like our club has? What other you know? There's no most people are just on the normal EFL stream. You just. T- and the game on, turn it off half time, it's a load of sponsorship and stuff. So I think that's one of the biggest positives. Um, the way that the club have you know, tried to make to, to make the best of a of a bad situation and uh, positive of struggling boys to be honest. <laughs> but there are a few games that we've spoken about, like Plymouth Three um, two win at Plymouth and and the two one at Forest Green. Any any matches that stand out for you? Oh, Bolton, Bolton at home. Yeah, Bolton, yeah. Bolton at home. I mean, that that day, I, I thought there was a shift. There was a massive shift. And um, Bolton just that. I think. Uh, I mean, look at where Bolton ended up. I mean, mm. um, I think they were just going through a massive transition and they stuck with their guy, didn't they? And they yeah. you know, they ended up going the cup, but. Um, the Bolton game, I really see that day was probably one of the only games where I see like we played some really, really good football. But you know, and outside of that, positives. Um, I, like I say, I'm, I'm struggling this season. I think that because of because of this is the thing we sometimes build ourselves up for, for stuff, and then when it when it ends like it's ended. I mean, I was really hoping that we'd. At least finish eighth or ninth, just outside the playoffs. Literally just outside the playoffs, but that wasn't to be. And uh, like I say, not many positives for me apart from the marketing department. And, and you know, um, I've even myself said this season. I sort of, I, I did tweet, you know, frustratingly after a game that it's not all about just trying to make money. It's about winning games. And uh, you know, and, it, and of course it is because football is the most important thing for us. Um, but you know, definitely what the marketing department have done at the club is is, is is positive. And then also, you know, finishing the season with knowing that I know it's starting, um, it's, it's sort of rolling it the next season. But knowing that we've got Harry Kane's back in again next year, and, and what sponsorship that's going to bring, and then the 
also sort of knowing that there's going to be further investment can only bode well for next season can't it absolutely let's, let's talk about another positive then Adam this is your second season sponsoring the Orient Outlook podcast how's, how's that all gone for you it's gone really well to be honest um, when the idea came the idea sort of popped into my head I think I started sort of flirting with the idea on Twitter first um, about doing a, a discount for Orient fans and um, and it really just broaden uh, my company's sort of spectrum of, of you know clientele, and um, I wasn't really sure how it was going to work out. And then at that particular time, as as up would have it, you guys decided that you was going to put out some sort of sponsorship packages, and um, it, it literally couldn't have gone any better. Um, I've, I've worked in many many work fans' houses, uh, who I'm going to you know put on record that I think very much for their for their support and their custom uh, we've worked for a couple of players um, still got some more uh, later at fans customers to do this year um, and it's and it's great for it's great for me but it's also it's also you know the benefit you know without trying to uh, do a sales pitch the benefit for the Orient fans and the discount they get is you know really is um, beneficial especially uh, this year we've got um We've got yours, Paul, as well. We're doing yours, aren't we? We are. Uh, I think I've got about four or five other silicon renders, which is is the main thing that we specialise in now. Um, and the, the, the discount that's offered on that um, is it makes a huge difference to your bill, um, as you well know, Paul. Mm. And thank you very much. Get a good quality product. Yeah. Get a discount, and you know. Um, we are an extremely professional company. Um, I know I act a bit of a goat on match days on Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I've had a beer, one too many, I can act like a bit of a, you know, like, like us all. Uh, but as a business, we run a very professional company. Um, I'm extremely proud of, of the boys that I've got that work for me and, and the way things are going. And the Orient connection is only furthering the, the, the uh, success of the company. So it's... It, it couldn't have gone any better. You guys do a fantastic job of, um, you know, putting, putting my sponsorship out there. It's, like I say, it's worked absolutely fantastic. And uh, long may that continue. But no, no plans on um, on putting on shelving on shelving the sponsorship. You know, we uh, we work well together. And like I say, it's a big thank you to all the Orient fans that have taken advantage of the fifteen percent off. And I look forward to waffling on more and more about Orient to, to, to future customers. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you, absolutely. You've really hit the nail on the head. It works well for both of us and we're glad to be uh, associated with your company and it's gone from strength to strength, which is a real, real honour for us that we've been able to, to, to put that out there so that Orient fans can get a good quality service, good quality product uh, and supporting an Orient fans business as well. So it's... it's so goes, you know, we, we, you know, you mentioned it in, the, in your um, your sponsorship pitch, but it really does go across the whole Orient family. You know, even to the guys up in the office, uh, you know, Lindsay Martin, all of the people behind the scenes, they, you know, they can get in touch. Uh, you know, Danny Macklin, any of them. Uh, I'm not sure about Kent and Nigel unless they've got a place over in England. <laughs> I'm not I'm fancy the trip to America. I think it might cost them more more than uh, it's worth. Um, but it really does go across all, all spectrums. You know, we've done a few players. We do, you know, even even previous players. If you've got an Orient connection, um, I'll, I'll happily come and do do some work for you at a discount. You know, we, we, 
Warrior fans, you know, staff players, we're all Wampy Cappy family, aren't we? So I'm more than happy to pass it on. Love it, love it. Adam, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure having you on throughout the season and we look forward to having you on lots of times next season, hopefully amongst many happy podcasts or happier podcasts next year. Yeah, let's hope it's a more positive uh, outlook uh, next season. Absolutely. Amen to that. Mate, thanks very much. Stay safe, take care and we'll see you soon. Yeah, see you. We'll catch up for a ragabama soon, boys. Absolutely. Speak to you soon, Adam. Bye, mate. So that was Matt Porter and our sponsor, Big Ads LOFC, back to back there with their views. Some fantastic insight from Matt Porter. He's always, always speaks so eloquently, always so well and and always forthcoming, never hides or ducks a question uh, at all. So I guess it's going to be a watch this space. And what he said at the very beginning of that was, you know, not for the next couple of days. So maybe at some point next week there interview process will conclude maybe they'll have something to announce not before we've plugged this though please chaps absolutely so those were Matt Porter's views on the season Adam Francis's views it's probably time to give us yeah, our views let's so Mr Levy at two hours let's go for your, your views of the season well, I, I, I can't really say much more than what's already been yeah. said I think it was a terribly frustrating season a season really of what could have been because like Matt said you know alright we've wrestled with Covid but so has everybody else we've wrestled with no fans in the stadium but so has everyone else we've also had the same challenges as, as, as others in, in, in the league you know it's not exclusive to us but you know some uh, you know some clubs have had sort of maybe less um, uh, less injuries than us and it's impacted them slightly less than us but but you know again you could class that as making excuses the bottom line is at times we didn't see enough effort desire determination goodwill ingenuity um, hard work none of these sort of positive ethics that you want from your players so I'm hoping that next season like Matt says we get the hungrier players the ones that will not even worried about them kissing the badge but ones that are going to want to play for the club uh, and show that in their performances. All well and good coming out with the uh, the you know, social media bites that, that we get fed and, and whatnot, but I actually want to see that transition you know, on, on, uh, on, on the pitch. I want to see that come off on the pitch. I want to see players exhausted because they've put in you know, a full 90-minute workout, you know, like we did in the 13-14 season. Um, but hoping, you know, that there's a lot of trial and error in, in this season. You know, they gave Ross the role on a permanent basis. They then tried it with Joby, um, trying out different things. You know, it's it's so easy to see and look back in hindsight. But, you know, they tried with the best of intentions, uh, the board. And I think that, you know, they'll learn from these experiences. You know, from what Matt's saying, you know, the calibre of people that they're interviewing is the strongest he'd seen in, in ever. So, you know, it says a lot about the fact that managers are now saying, all right, well, maybe I'm a champ manager, but, you know, there's a job in League Two that I'm quite interested in that I will drop to, knowing that, A, the budget that they'll be given to get players in on will be lower, and, B, that their salary themselves will be will be lower, and they're not guaranteed to last past Christmas either. So, you know, it, it, there's a lot of positivity, I think, looking forwards, but from the season itself... Um, it's been a very challenging I think it's probably the one that I found the hardest to deal with from a mental perspective because it's just been you know like you say we're not in the South Stand we're not um, giving our forthright views if you like in the South Stand it is like you say being digested uh, you know between five to three and and, and five five to five sort of thing so you know it's been very difficult and uh, I'm very pleased to see the back of it but it's (laughs) certainly one that we'll be telling the kids and the grandkids in, in the future it's certainly one for the history books but unfortunately 
not necessarily mm. for the right reasons. Well, summed up. I think I think I've said it before. If you would have said eleventh, you would have gone, oh, okay, it's not bad. It's an improvement. Six on last places year, right? up on last year, but yeah. given what we've seen at points, it does feel like a bit of a, a missed opportunity. It seemed to bottle it when it mattered at various points during the season. So we mentioned about the Spurs game, you know, that I think that really kind of hindered us and that COVID yeah. outbreak really took the wind out of ourselves. I think letting Ross go was right, um, but probably not the right appointment in appointing Joby, but that's very easy for me to say in hindsight. And, you know, I appreciate how difficult it is to get one man out of a job, get another man into his job. Football's yeah. an ever-revolving door. I think some players can look back and say they've done well. I think Vigaru can say he's had a very good season. I think Conor Wilkinson's been a completely different player to the one we saw in his first season. Yeah. Danny Johnson at points looked absolutely unstoppable. Dan Kemp's looked great since he came in. Brophy's been solid, I think, about being spectacular. But yeah. Brophy always is. Hector looks encouraging. Adam Thompson looked great for the four or five games that he played for us. Tunjak and Ali looked great. I don't think we'll see Tunji back in orange no. shirt, but he did look very good. But That's so- a shame about that. I'd quite like to see him back. Yeah, but, you know, if we're talking about players being forced down divisions, maybe Tunji will get released and maybe he'll end up looking at a league two club. You never know. I think some players, as well as having good seasons, I think some of our bad, bad ones, I think Craig Clay hasn't had the best season in orange shirt. He'll probably be the first to admit that. I think Happy done well at points, but really struggled for the last two, three months of the season. But we um, talked about a lot of red cards at the start as well, penalty yeah, giveaways and so on. It's a difficult one, isn't it? You don't want to single anything out. Walter Turiu, yeah. how we all thought he was off, thought he was going to leave, had a great kind of back end of the season when he got called off. Yeah. We all expected big things, done absolutely nothing, got injured. injured. Liangol, yeah. what a, what a pre season Liangol had. He was the leader man in pre season, wasn't he? Done absolutely nothing, been released since that will come on to. So, been a funny, a funny, a funny old season. Um, so let's go with your views in. So we put out a tweet earlier in the day. We can now take voice messages and we're very happy to do so. It's a very easy system to use. We've put the link out on our social media channels. All you have got to do, follow the link, press record and you get to record your messages up to one minute. Only had one, but this is a new platform and it will build as the season hopefully kicks into gear next season. So thank you to Ben Boatman Boatsy who sent us his views on the season. After having a week to reflect on the season, I must say that I am disappointed that we've not been able to break into those playoffs. Um, If some of the players had their flip-flops on for the last few games, then it's very disappointing. I think it's disappointing the fact that Joby's not been able to get the most out of these players. And I'm actually quite happy that the summer's going to be a bit of an overhaul. On the other hand, um, it is improvement from the season before. We have had a lot of issues to deal with in terms of having the same players from the unfortunate passing of when Justin was here. Um, Also, we've had to deal with the fact of having no fans in. Yes, I know it's the same for the other 23 clubs as well. Um, But that obviously can have an impact on being that 12th man, as it might be. Just thinking about the Newport game at home, we wouldn't have won that unless there were fans in the stadium. So I think it has been a season of progress. Um, Off the pitch has been fantastic with a Harry Kane sponsorship, but on the pitch, just not been good enough. I am disappointed that we've not made the playoffs, but I think next season, if we get this managerial appointment right, we could go up. So that was Ben Boatman. So that is how easy it is. You just click on the link on our social media channels record yourself and it comes out as clear as day so thank you to Ben for his voice message to us we had a few tweets about season views coming in from first our south stand buddy who sits in front of us that's right uh, Orion underscore Ed look forward to seeing you back there next season mate a solid mid-table finish papers over big cracks football was terrible and would have been in relegation fight if it not for the goals of DJ and Wilco but on a positive note Dan Kemp 
has been a great piece of business with Thompson also looking okay from what we saw of him, yeah, going back point. to what you said. Yeah, World Cup 300 said the biggest issue all season was the balance. Neither manager trusted Willowson and Thomas. I mean, Jordan Thomas barely, barely got a look in, yeah. yeah. Went Bro- back to Norwich, ne- yeah. never announced, but went back yeah. to Norwich. Brophy likes to get forward, but Dennis, Royal, Angle, JMD performed poorly ahead of him. On the right, Lincoln Ekinola were uncomfortable going forward, but ahead of them, Wilco was performing well. Steve Chaplin Force said, ultimately, this group of players who were essentially the same group that got us out of the National League proved not to be good enough to get us to the next level. In no way should this uh, denigrate their efforts in getting us to where we are now, onwards and upwards. Yeah, so thank you for all your views. There's a few more views coming up throughout the podcast. So before I guess we'll come to the week that was, even though we're at two hours, seven minutes, we'll talk about the Twitter poll. So we ran our end of season awards on Twitter. We had four. And first up was match of the season. It was. Forest Green Rovers uh, was the first one uh, where we beat them 2-1. Uh, second up, second option was where we beat Plymouth 3-2. Third one was where we beat Bolton 4-0. And obviously the fourth one was where we beat Southend 2-0. Fair to say that a few fans said we should have nominated Newport at home 2-1, which is a fair enough comment. But you can but you only, only get, get four, four yep. nominations. We had 345 votes in 24 hours. 5% went for late night 2 South End nil, six percent went for Forest Green Rovers one late on in two, thirty five percent went for later on three Plymouth two, which Dave Victor called one of the best games he's ever seen at Brisbane Road, but that wasn't enough to win the coveted prize. It wasn't because Bolton at home four nil won with a staggering fifty four percent of the three hundred and forty five votes that we got in twenty four hours. Yeah, probably what I would have voted for. I would have voted. I think I. Did but I can't remember who I voted for. Okay. It might have been Plymouth actually. <laughs> so that was your match of the season. Next up was goal of the season. Four nominees were Joby versus Plymouth. That lovely little chipped dink. Joby versus Bolton with a beauty of a free kick. DJ versus Harrogate from a very tight angle on the half volley. And Connor Wilkinson's lovely goal from the lob against Carlisle. The results after only 184 votes in this one in 24 hours were. Joby McEnough against Bolton got 9% of the vote. Joby against Plymouth got 26% of the vote. Connor versus Carlisle United got 32%, which means that our winner of the goal of the season with 33% of the vote, just by 1%, was Danny Johnson against Harrogate. So well done to Mr Johnson. Do you know what? I'm chuffed Danny Johnson wins something. Because he deserves it. He didn't win anything in the official club awards. So. Yeah. You know, Danny Johnson, we love you, mate. Fox in the box, scoops goal of the season. So next up, young player of the season. Four nominees for this one. Tunji Akinola, Dan Happy, Dan Kemp and Hector Kipriani. We had 388 votes for this one in 24 hours. And the results were... 4% of you voted for Dan Happy. 11% voted for Hector Kipriani. And again, very tight at the very top. Tight. First and second place separated by 0.5%. Twitter didn't know what was going on. Had to break it down into decimal points, this one. <laughs> Tunji Akinola came in second place with 42% of the vote, but winning Young Player of the Year with 42.5% of the votes was young Dan Kemp. So well done to Dan Kemp, which means the big one, Player of the Season. We had four nominees. We, we, uh, we did. Yeah, James Brophy, Dan Johnson, Lawrence Figaro, and Connor Wilkinson. And we had 367 votes in just 24 hours. Yeah, this one wasn't close. 
not close at all. James Brophy got 6% of your vote. Connor Walkerson got 10. Danny Johnson got 14. But Lawrence Vigor absolutely walked this one with 70% of the vote. So well done. So Lawrence the club's Vigaru, yeah. official vote as well. So yeah, well done to Lawrence Vigaru. So that wraps up the season that was. So let's now do the last week before we pack this up for the summer. Well, I, until ma- pre-season. No, until, until, a manager. until a manager appointment. Until next week then. <laughs> until so Monday, there's a meltdown. <laughs> until Thursday, yeah. So Monday the 10th of May, then, a quiet day at the club. No news to report as episode 246 was going down an absolute storm on your airwaves. It absolutely was. So Tuesday the 11th of May, the club announced its retain list for the forthcoming season. So there's a whole list of players. I'm sure you all know who's been released, who's been offered and who is under contract. But worth pointing out that Reese Byrne, Anthony Papadopoulos and Matt Young are the three academy players to be offered a pro deal. You'd have heard Reese Byrne, I think, is the goalkeeper. Anthony Papadopoulos uh, played and Matt Young came on and made his debut uh, in the last game of the season. So well done to them. But thank you to everybody on the released list for all your efforts supporting our club and helping us to get to where we are uh, at this point in our life. Uh, as we um, uh, wish you good luck and all the best in your future future careers. Thank you very much for everything you've done. I think it was um, a tough one. I think, you know, Angle, Coulson, Dayton, Dennis, Judd, Ling, JMD, McEnough, Shabani, Turley, Widowson. There's a lot, lot to see, Shabani. That's a, a lot of players. That's yeah. a, a lot of players to release, so it's definitely a sign of intent. No real surprises, however... I think Joe Widowson and Jamie Turley can consider themselves fairly unlucky in that, in that list. I've got to be honest there. There are some good league two footballers there yep. as well. Well, yeah. I, well, I don't agree with that. but Oh, I do. If you can keep some of those footballers fit, they'll do a job. If you can keep Angle fit for a season and play him in a 4-4-2 and keep him fit, he'll get you 15 goals without question. Uh, JMD, who will no doubt go at Crawley and rip us a new one when we play him. Well, hopefully not. No doubt, he will, he'll, have, he'll have a great season for Crawley if he goes there. Jamie Turley, I think, will end up in League Tells, 2 somewhere, yeah. definitely, and, and be good. Sam Ling, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up in League 2, and I, I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Colchester. When we signed Sam Ling from Dagenham Bridge, he was wicked. He was great. Whatever he had coming out of Dagenham Bridge, we coached it out of him. 100%. And maybe it was playing under the director of football Obviously, being his dad didn't help him. Maybe he couldn't settle. But Samling will do a job somewhere, I think, at League Two. Shabani, yeah, we never saw. And I, th- I hope Widowson gets a deal at a League Two club. I'm not sure he will do, but he was unlucky there. But, you know, James Dayton was linked with Forest Green Rovers the other day. I can't see that one happening. But he can be, you know, feel maybe a bit treated. I mean, we barely... You talk about Joan D, who had a few starts here and there, Turley and Willison, a few starts. Dayton literally barely got on the pitch at all. Yeah. Beginning half of the season. Throughout the entire in. season. Yeah. But I think, just like what Matt Porter said, it does feel like now this is this is the end of an era. Like This feels like it's now chapter done. I think we yeah. mentioned it last week. Yeah. Like It feels like the National League era is gone and the club have cleared the decks. But what this does mean is that there's going to be more than a few players coming in. So it does mean exciting times. Um, for the club so quite a big reaction on social media as you'd expect a lot of emotional connections with these players given what they'd gone through with the club and what they'd won yeah. and taken the club forward Joe Pavitt double zero said honestly I'm surprised about Dennis and Turley not getting new deals Dennis is very talented and has been good when featured and Turley is someone good to have around when needed big statement of intent yeah I think Jamie Turley for me is really the only one I'd keep there I think JMD flats to deceive I think on his day 
he is a fantastic footballer, but he only has one of those a season. Um, it, he doesn't. He's not regular and consistent enough. Is my issue with someone like Jane? He's a luxury player, in my opinion. If you're John Yems and you sign him, you'd get him in that gym for the next two months. Go right, get some muscle on your boy, and become stronger and fitter because that's what he was lacking. He was all right on the ball when he could get you an assist out of nothing. He's just got no defensive mind or he's not strong enough. But if you get muscle on him, he's only what twenty three, twenty four. He's not very old. He could definitely do a job. Time will tell him. Yeah, I know. He goes hiding in games too often for my liking, which is why I've, I'm quite happy not to pursue that. But good luck to him uh, in the future. Paul Ravens 39 said, pretty much what I expected. Personally, I would, have not, I would have had Clay on the release list as well, but I understand to an extent why he's been offered a new deal. Massive defensive rebuild for the new manager. And I think that's the beauty that a new manager comes in and has a completely, pretty much clean piece of paper to work with. I mean, that really is a clean piece of paper. Apart from Dan Appy, there's no defenders at the club pretty much anymore. Um, JB Foreman, 002, says, I was excited by Angle when he joined. Shame it didn't come to much. I also feel for Dayton, who I feel never fully recovered from his leg break, in my yeah, opinion. I Heart Rushmore said, Not many surprises, but I doubt we will get significantly better squad players than Wooderson, Turley, and dare I say it, Ling at this level. I know there is talk of players dropping leagues, but I don't expect half of those offered to sign, sadly. So it's a big overhaul. I have two underscore O underscore Mega said, I thought Widows and Turley and Dennis still had something to offer. On a personal level, I'm sorry to see all the players go who have committed to Orient over the years, especially those who were part of our promotion team. Special mention for Coulson, Dayton and Widowson. Yeah, Andy Andy Wobbs said, Right choice, bit more cutthroat than I expected. It shows signs that higher-ups do understand uh, their word of wanting promotion, hoping Johnson and Vigrou sign new deals. I feel they could go if offered the same or better elsewhere. Chris Kane underscore 1992 said, Never nice seeing players released, but that's the nature of the beast. Hold for memories watching the majority play, especially the league winners. All the best to them for the future. Len M4 said, A statement of intent for sure. Percy going to miss Joe Widdison. Could tell he always cares about the club when he played. Good point. Paul Skinner, 88, said, I'd have offered Widows in a year. I prefer him over Brophy at left back. Shame to see Dayton's go, but it is time. Changes to formation and towards the end, playing him in positions he isn't suited for did not help. Assists galore in non-league. Flog, say ASAP. And I 95% agree with the list. Richard J. Bourne said, Sorry to see Judd Woodison and Turley go. After the season Happy has had, I'm surprised he's been offered a new deal. Played over 100 games and still making basic mistakes. I think it's too valuable, isn't he, to get released? Like, he, the club would lose money on him, I think. Yeah, but then he's only got another year and there's under 23s and yeah. he goes for, for a free anyway. He's got a big season coming up, and he, Dan? He really you would has. imagine. The Leech, he said, would have kept Judd and Maguire due. I mean, Judd, the Judd of four years ago, you know, when we got ready. Like one of the youth, young players of the season, wasn't he? Uh, young players of the EFL or something. Yeah. Both talented to develop under a new manager with new approach. Others, no surprise. Dennis was the biggest disappointment following yeah. the hype when we signed him. Agreed. Yeah. Ian Hutchinson, 08, said, A couple of surprises. In my opinion, Woodison and Turley should have been offered another year. I agree with that. But this list of players being released by the club only becomes a good or right decision when the players brought in are of better quality ability and have the desire to succeed at LOFC, which is absolutely feeding into what we said earlier. Bang on cool. tweet. So moving on, it's a Wednesday, the 12th of May, as the club announced that season tickets now could be renewed. A pretty strong campaign there from the media team, so well done to everyone. Amongst plenty of rumours that Kenny Jacket was the front runner for the Orient manager's job. We don't need to go over old ground. We kind of spoke about the whole management you know, yeah. structure in the last episode. 
Yeah, Thursday the 13th of May. It was seven years to the day where we beat Peterborough 2-1 at home in the League One playoff semi-final. That's mental, isn't it? Yeah, I remember that clearly. Yeah. The club also revealed the new third kits for next season, which is grey, has a unique design on the front, and as per last year, will be sponsored by Mind. The kit was revealed to coincide with Mental Health Awareness Week. So lots of people are asking, where's the away kit? But that will follow as they wanted to get the third kit out as it is sponsored by mine and Harry Kane involved again. Yeah, I, I'm all for that um, that uh, that sponsorship arrangement. Not that keen on the shirt. I feel it might look better in person than it does in the pictures. But at first, I'm kind of like, if I'm going to buy a shirt, I'm not keen on the home and I'm not keen on the third. So I'm hoping that the... The away kit is, and if it's not, it's not, but I'll still buy something in the shop. What colour are you hoping for? I quite like a blue. I knew you were going to say blue, yeah. It seems like it could be a blue because there's no there's no dark colour. It's red, it's grey. You're thinking you're going to have to put a dark kit in somewhere. Yeah. So you imagine it's probably or black. bright. No, not black. We have black this year. No, but black or blue, just based on like the colour yeah. scheme because yeah. grey is quite neutral and so is red. So yeah, I guess we'll see. For me, yeah, again, I'm not sure I need to see it in person, but I'd like someone to teach Harry Kane how to, how to hold up a bloody shirt because he doesn't hold up the shirts properly, so you can never tell what the neck's doing. I've, we've had this before on the podcast. I'm all about the neck, right? It looks like a V-neck, but the way he holds it, it's like on a weird kind of slant. You can't tell what the, v, the neck's doing. I need to see it. Just ask Danny to have a word with him. Say, can you not stretch it so much? Because my mate Steve, well, he does a podcast. He's, he's, blatantly, he's blatantly already taken the pictures for the for the away kit because they've obviously done it in the same sitting. Because Harry Kane, of course, he's, he's wearing, not going to come back. No, he's wearing the same same garments as what he wore in yeah. the feet. So next season, when Harry Kane does it again, can we please get him to hold the shirt at a decent angle and just get him to hold so it on Steve a hanger, can yeah? see what he's doing and yeah. or wear it. <laughs> so lots of tweets coming in about the third kit. We just took a, a sample. View Boatsy, whose voice message we heard before, said, I love it, one of the best shirts. Shame it's not the away, his last season. We only saw the third a number of times. Great charity partner in mind at such an important time for everyone's physical and mental health. Hashtag mental health awareness week. Ross McCaff said, looked a bit goalkeeper top to me at first glance, but I'll likely go, it will likely be a grower. Best charity too. I think it is one of them that's going to grow. Yeah, I agree. Joe Jessner, 16, said, really nice. Hopefully we don't end up with a third kit being the best one two seasons running though. <laughs> Paul Staines, 86, said, it's quality. My favourite shirt for a while. Yeah, so lots of good feedback there about the shirt. And as the Kenny jacket rumours started to slow down, new rumours started to circulate that Colin Calderwood was the new favourite to become Orient manager. That in itself got a lot of social media attention and again it's a not family f- show not good. so we're not going to start mentioning it now <laughs> yeah full Friday the 14th of May and despite fan rumours of a managerial appointment it was a very very quiet day at the club thankfully it was a very quiet day at the club moving on into Saturday 15th of May as we say a happy 140th birthday to Leighton Orient Football yeah, Club happy birthday Leighton Orient Football Club I didn't think it was until Tuesday but that's great very late in the evening Lawrence Vigarou tweeted a montage uh, video of his season and said 2020 uh, 21 a few clips from the season full of ups and downs but I've enjoyed every single second a season I'll never forget at Leighton Orient thank you to everyone for the support LV22 now that's it, a bye bye message if you were I was going to say if you were 100%. if you were a glass half empty man you're thinking that is a farewell message from that LV is a, that is thanks very much Lawrence I, I don't know if you listen or not mate and I don't know if you'd be listening at 2 hours and 22 um, Lawrence, if Lawrence Vigor has made it into two hours 20 minutes of this podcast and I'll sign in myself 
well done Lawrence Pay, pay his wages and uh, give him his bus fare home but no I don't, I don't think he'll be with us next well, let's season not, let's not have he's that a com- league one goalkeeper let's not have that conversation yet that's probably for another podcast but it did seem to the eye that that was probably a thank you for everything it hopefully was. not so moving on into today then Sunday the 16th of May 20 years ago to the day that the O's beat Hull City 2-1 in the second leg of the playoff semi-final at Brisbane Road with Matt Lockwood scoring that wonder goal that we spent about 10 minutes talking to him about in your front room yeah. many moons ago 20 so long ago, ago didn't it yeah it was only 13 years ago when we started recording this oh at that time God. amazing a quiet day at the club though lots of fans continuing to guess um, and rumours flying around as to who the new manager will be there's Colin Calderwood there's Paul Tisdale there's still Kenny Jacket um other others, other name Richie, not Richie Wellins. Uh, Richie Wellins, Steve Robinson. Stephen Robinson, that's it. You name it, they've been in with it. Look, yeah. nobody knows, right? Whatever your mates are telling you, saying they've got a source, nobody knows, right? So don't stop discarding everything. Stop going mental when you see the sack race tweets. I'm utter shite about anything. Calm down, and it will happen when it happens, right? Yep. So that's let's absolutely right. Wrap this up then at two hours twenty three. Minutes fantasy football update, which is still going on, that ends next weekend. Elliot Pierce is top of the Orient Outlook podcast. Fantasy Football League on 2,258 points. He's ahead of Billy Ricky Dickey in second place on 2,197 points. I'm currently in 64th place out of 295 players. A busy week of fixtures coming up in that competition because that ends next Sunday, I believe. Right, well, there you go. So let's move on then to the positives and negatives. Uh, this week new home and third kits are launched Harry Kane is back as our shirt sponsor doing great things for great charities yeah another positive probably is that we're going to see a manager appointed yeah sooner rather than later which is always good a negative of the week though no sign of a new manager (laughs) (laughs) brilliant we don't have a hero of the week this week because it's unless you're going to go with the commercial team which I think we did previously I'm going to give it to Matt Porter I thought he was excellent when he came on, gave a really good synopsis of the season and spoke really well about the new manager appointment, which has somehow made me more excited about the appointment than what I may have been. And it's probably chilled me out a little bit because when he said a few days, I'm now kind of quite happy to go Wednesday, Thursday, unless he's going to throw any, you know, catch us out with doing a nine o'clock review in the morning to make this podcast completely redundant. So Matt Porter is our hero of the week. So before we leave you, don't forget, you've heard his voice and you've heard our plug at the beginning of the podcast for the best plastering and rendering prices around. Visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or on Instagram or go and visit Big Ads LFC on Twitter or go to their website or drop those boys an email for your well-deserved 15% off. Absolutely. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for listening to probably one of our longest episodes or it's certainly up there. It's not uh, as long as the um, previous end of season for No, we've done a couple that have been two and a half hour, 2.45, but it's one of uh, the longest. That, well, yeah. they, these are always the longest that we ever do, because just purely on the fact yeah. that uh, we're rounding up a whole year's worth of football. <laughs> so thanks for joining us for episode 247. It's been one hell of a roller coaster season with a few highs as at points we almost reached the playoff spots and it did appear to be a possibility when we went on an unbeaten run of games under Joby, but ultimately... It wasn't enough as we sit here reflecting at the end of the season having missed our targets. So next season the O's will be competing 
in League Two. The positives are sorry, the positives are that it looks like it'll be a very busy summer at the club, who made their intentions clear and are looking for a manager who has League One and two experiences to get us promotion next season. No excuses, nothing to hide behind. Like it, like Love it. it. If Love you're it. listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give our podcast a five star review on iTunes if you're listening on any other platform give us a follow or favourite the podcast that way you'll get all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded we are also on all smart speakers and a new fan engagement hub called Fan Hub which is brilliant so listening to the podcast has got even easier if you have an older relative a loved one or an orange chum who you think will like the podcast grab their phone download it for them and pass the pod so I guess from us then just a massive thank you to everyone who's listened to a podcast over the season who's given us an email into us or an outlook who has tweeted us who has facebooked us who has insted us who has interacted with us who has messaged us we get so much engagement and you know I think you hit the nail on the head it's been a difficult season mentally it's been an absolutely bizarre season but we've still had levels of engagement through the roof still great listening people still seem very engaged with the podcast so from us to thank you, you, a massive thank you from yourself, Dan Chumps, because if we were getting no engagement, no listens, we, we wouldn't be doing it. It Absolutely. wouldn't be worth it. So it makes all our hard work, because this is a very hard podcast to run. And at times, you know, it's been very difficult seeing friends get made redundant from, from jobs and difficult results. It's, it makes it all worth it, you know, getting the engagement and, and seeing some of the figures that we get. So at this point, we would yeah, say, yeah. have a great summer. But because... There's going to be a manager appointment soon. There will obviously be another Orient Outlook podcast soon. So all that is left to say, episode 248 will be coming at some point following the managerial appointment. And that will include all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. (laughs) 